Peter, are you ever going to forgive me? Lois, I am obligated to keep loving you, so I will take my rage out on my own body. Let's go to Denny's. Oh, man, I don't believe it. Kiss is here. We don't deserve to be under the same roof with them. Let's go. Well, all right. I guess I could fix us something when we... Hi, am Lois, do not address Kiss unless they address you first. Oh, my God. Hi, am Wits. It is you. Uh, which one do you want me to sign, left or right? No, no, no. It's Lois. Lois Schmidt. I knew you before you changed your name. Lois. I don't believe it. It's Menages. Hey, guys, this is the girl I told you about. You know, I knew her before we formed Kiss. Loose Lois. Cool, Loose Lois. A legend herself. I never realized you were Gene Simmons, the rock star. You look great, Lois. Anyone nailing you now? Yes, my husband nails me. This is him, Peter. You are gods. Yeah, thanks, right. Hey, we're recording some tracks in Boston next month. You should uh, come on by. Oh, we'd love that, Chaim. I mean, Gene, you big rock star. <laughs> Bye. Oh, wow, such a small world. He was a nice boy, and he's still nice. Listen, Lois, uh, what I said before, I've never been more wrong in my life. You are the coolest girl in the world. My wife did kiss. And Jake Isles. What? Nothing. Fantastic. Greetings and salutations, mi amigos, mi compadres, my friends, Romans, neighbors, countrymen, citizens, friends, children, uh, boys and girls of all ages, uh, and so forth. It is 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this the month of July in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming, Bob, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and fantastically processed studios of uh, AM 970 The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into entertainment and whimsy. Uh, it is Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Hello, hi there, ho there, hey there. Uh, we are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. If you'd like to be part of today's program with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, what have ye, ye, ye. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. That's 503-P by 70. Uh, if you would like to join us today, uh, Adam from the Pim Squad is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, and he smells pleasantly of citrus today, I might add, for no real readily definable reason. Adam seems like a very clean guy. He is, and he's the most attractive member of the Pim Squad, as determined by this, the Rick Emerson audience. True. All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970. I'd like to uh, join us today. If you want, you should engage with us conversationally. Uh, you can also email. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Uh, Tim at 970.am. Or the other guy at 970.am. I'm assuming Adam has some sort of a... Adam, what's your email address? Oh, that's not for here, Mr. Emerson. Okay, thanks. There you go. Don't Please don't look at him. At, don't look at him at... He's Don't look him in the Muppet face. senses his evil. Every Muppet, time it doesn't like Adam. Every time Adam speaks, Muppet goes crazy. Jesus, like James Brolin should be here feeding wood furiously into a fireplace. For the love of God, it's a little strange. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. It is Wednesday, and welcome to day twelve. Thank you for coming by. Here's what's coming up at today's program. 
Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us in the Hill today to talk about uh, Senator Ted Stevens, uh, who's been indicted, I don't know, in like seven, eight, ten thousand things. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us from the island nation of Cuba today. Uh, so we talked to him yesterday. So he was in Havana. Well, I guess he's in Havana all week. Um, so he's Cuba uh, all week. We talked to him yesterday, and he was talking about people who make uh, the trek from Cuba to here and people who make the trek from here to Cuba. Uh, so I think today he's going to talk about the differences uh, between Fidel Castro and Raul Castro uh, and uh, how life is on what JFK called that prison island. Uh, let's see what else. Cena radio correspondent James Roop joining us from Los Angeles today. Uh, we'll do the top five. Top five Barry Manilow songs uh, today. We will count down the top five Barry Manilow recordings uh, later on in today's program. What else? Oh, speaking of music, we've got a. I hate to even call it creepy because then it sounds like I'm dogging the guy that sent it in. Uh, let's see, where the hell did it go? Let's see if I've got it here. Uh, it was sent to me uh, yesterday. See if I've got see if I've got the guy's name handy. If not, I'll have to dig it up later. Oh, Steve. So Steve has sent us sort of the, the latest in what has become a series of songs that are made by taking audio excerpts of this program and then chopping them up over some sort of beat. And Steve, I have to say it's well done, but it it's just creepy sounding. It's just it's just unnerving. Uh, what is it? It's this. It's the. It's it's another. You know, it's another one of those like white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel where, where a guy's just taking a bunch of stuff that we said and just chopped it up over like some sort of a, like a, like a dance beat or something. So there was the white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. There's the fan fan oscillating fan thing. Uh, there's the I need to build a sex temple thing. There's, there's the one the that classy girl. There's the classy girl one. We had to just play all of them in a row someday. There's the one that Fat Boy made. That is the that is Court going uh and Fat Boy going uh and then the vomit guy going Ur, and it's just that for like two minutes. And then there's the one I just got today, which is just creepy in a whole different way. Uh, so what we I mean the see now it's like I have to play it now I can't not what play. What kind it. of creepy? Well it's it has a lot of you and me. I knew it. I knew <laughs> I, it. Look, I just, uh, I, I'm just a conduit. People send me things. We pass them along. I, uh... We don't need to pass them all along. I'm just... A, well, I can't not play it. The guy obviously put a lot of work into it, and it... And look, and here's the thing, and I heard it, and I was cringing all morning at it, so it's like, I'm not going to suffer alone. We'll play it at least once so that everybody else can know our pain. Uh, so that's coming up today. Uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will be joining us on today's uh, radio program. Uh, we got a taser watch coming up today, a uh, corpse watch coming up today. And I do believe not one, not two, not three, not four, but five. A five-part religious nutcase watch. Um, what else? Uh, let's see. We'll talk, to, um, we'll talk to Kristen Bowie a little bit today, later on, 2 o'clock hour, because Timmy Ryan was here yesterday. Doing what he does. And we were observing that a couple things about Timmy. First of all, that he always holds it together really well until around 2 o'clock, and then he just falls apart like a pair of sneakers that's gone through the spin cycle too fast. I mean, he just, he, I mean, 11 o'clock hour, fine. 12 o'clock hour, fine. 1 o'clock hour, fine. 2 o'clock hour, he just begins to half-life away into just component parts of saliva and gibbering. Uh, so by the time we got to the end of yesterday's program, uh, we, we were going to have this thing where Timmy Ryan was going to unveil this announcement uh, about this project that he this, this show that he and Chris and Bowie are going to be doing. And so we sort of had this big lead up to it, and I had this introductory music all set up. And then I said, and now with the big announcement, Timmy Ryan, 
And then it was just it was just like nothing but pops and buzzes and weird consonant sounds sort of all falling out of his mouth in no discernible order. And having no discernible message. So we're going to let Kristen come in and she'll take a whack at it today because of Timmy's rather fragmented way. Is she coming in or is she on the phone? I think she's, she'll be in the building anyways. I think she's going to stop by the 2 o'clock hour and she'll be there. Um, and this is all true. Uh, oh, don't forget, one random caller who gets on the air today will win a copy of The Lost Boys 2, The Tribe, on DVD. Prepare to sink your teeth into the long-awaited and highly anticipated next chapter of the cult phenomenon started by the 1987 classic The Lost Boys. When Warner premieres Lost Boys, The Tribe arrives on Blu-ray and DVD. It's out now, by the way, uh, from Warner Home Video. The all-new chapter stars Tad Hilgenbrink and Agnes Sutherland, with appearances by Corey Hame and Corey Feldman as Edgar Frog. There you go. One random caller who gets on the air today wins a copy of The Lost Boys 2, The Tribe on DVD. It could save your life. Uh, all right, and so forth. We're joined today uh, by Tim Riley, sounding exceptional. Oh, yes. Here's the thing. The mic processing is so great, it's like I can hear every part of your throat as it tears itself away when you cough. It is. I'm going to try to speak as little as possible. Though. You know what you should do? You should croon. Sinatra style. So instead of trying to project, because the thing is, when Sinatra was coming up uh, in the early 20th century... Speaking of which, have you read that Kitty Kelly book about Frank Sinatra? I don't think I His have. Way? No. I don't know whether I'm supposed to... I'm reading this book, His Way, the unauthorized biography of, of Frank Sinatra by Kitty Kelly, and I know that Sinatra sued to try to stop her from publishing it, and it, you know the court told him to get bent, and, and it came out anyway. But I'm reading it, and it's so unbelievably salacious that it seems like it can't possibly be true. So... It's, it's, I don't want it to be like that, the lives of that Albert Goldman thing about John Lennon that was all just like, he just pulled it all out of his ass. Um, anyway, so, that was my point. Oh, so, uh, but I was thinking about Frank Sinatra and your voice, Tim, uh, because you do have a golden mellifluous tinge uh, to, your, to your timbre. Oh, I try. And, see, that's what I'm saying, because when Sinatra was singing, they had that where they were using the ribbon microphones back in the day, and you couldn't really, like, you couldn't sing... Like, you couldn't scream into those microphones because the, the, the ribbon microphone, but just, the components inside would just fall apart. And so that's if you listen to all of those early sort of crooners that the Bobby Sockers all loved. And they were all singing like this. And it was, it, everybody thinks it was just a singing style that they get, you know, that they sort of got because of the way it sounded. And that wasn't really it. They had to sing that way to avoid destroying the microphone. So Sinatra got all this credit for creating this brand new style of singing when really it was just born out of technological necessity. So, Tim, I believe today you should be crooning your news. I'll try. Okay. Would you like some headlines? Yes, I would. Right here they are. Okay. The Bikini Coffee Company opens in downtown Portland. Clark County will bail out its financially troubled amphitheater. An 88-year-old suburban World War II veteran wallops a burglar. A southeast Portland home bursts into flames and nobody notices. A new John McCain ad features Paris Hilton and somebody else. A Price is Right contestant wins $30,000 on a rigged Plinko machine. Isn't that enough? I'm sorry, that actually just stunned me into silence. Well, I guess I have to wait to find out more, right? It's a tease. Oh, damn you. Damn you, Tim Riley! Mm -hmm. It's good to have you back. I don't know, did you hear the beginning of yesterday's program? No. Did you hear about the beginning of yesterday's program? I heard that you didn't receive my email that I sent around 5.30 in the morning. 5.36, actually. So you sent an email at 5.36 saying, woke up, voice gone, won't be in, Correct. best Tim. Yes. Uh, and, and the thing is, it showed up for some reason on my BlackBerry, but not on my desktop PC, which is weird. And, and I don't, 
Uh, like, you know, I, the BlackBerry email, like if I'm out and about or if I'm in the car, or if it's late at night, like I'll, you know, late at night where I'm getting one or two emails at a time, I'll read them on the BlackBerry. But typically in the morning, I don't. I come in, I sit down at my desk, and I sort through the whole morning's email at my desk. So for whatever reason, it showed up on my BlackBerry, which I discovered later at like 1110, uh, but not on my desktop PC in the morning. So here we're wandering around the studio yesterday. And of course, Richie is gone this week, and we'll talk to him uh, later on today as well. Uh, and Timmy Ryan is here filling in for Richie. And so I said to Sarah, I said, have you seen Tim today? And she thought I was referring to Timmy Ryan. She goes, yeah, I saw him earlier. And I went, oh, well, never mind that. No problem. Disaster averted. And so then fast forward to about 11.01 as the show opening is playing. And we look over and your computer is still dark and your chair is unused. Mm -hmm. And I said, shouldn't Tim Riley be here by now? And Sarah says, oh, Tim Riley. I haven't seen him. And so we real literally as... Because I'm used to Timmy filling in for you. And so when I saw Timmy, I'm like, okay, well, he's obviously filling in for Tim. And I totally forgot that Richie was gone. He just completely spaced it. And so, like, at literally as the show is beginning, we realized that we had no newsman yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there was this whole great, terrible, awful, no good, very bad segment at the beginning of yesterday's program where we were all saying, like, well, I don't know, it is... I hope he's not dead. You know, and, then, and then immediately the audience started, you know, ruminating about your various uh, various mishaps that might have befallen you while riding on the max. And it was all very awkward until I until I checked my BlackBerry and then I realized you weren't going to be in. And we sort of handled it, but it was there was a moment of chaos at the beginning of yesterday's program. There's no getting around that. Well, I want to thank Timmy Ryan for filling in for me yesterday, as only he can do. Mm -hmm. All right, where would you put your voice today in the classic one to ten scale? One. <laughs> It was the lack of hesitation that made that gold. Oh, no, it's it's barely a one. Excellent. Well, you know what, Tim? You do more with a one than most people can do with a 15. I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello. Howdy. How Hello. are you? What's up? Not a lot. When saw Alkaline Trio last night. They were awesome. At the Roselands? Yeah, I almost got into a fight with a drunk girl. Please do explain. I was sitting up on the balcony, and I was with my friend who's on crutches, and so he has to sit, Chris, my friend who was hit by uh, right. the hit and run driver. And so, so we're there at the show. This girl, this drunk bitch, is like leaning against the rail, blocking the view of like 40 people standing right. behind, not singing along, just standing there. And is it the Roseland? This is it the Roseland. Wh where are you? Uh, I'm sitting up uh, up on the balcony. Like if you're looking from the stage, I'm up in the upper left hand side. Oh, and so if somebody's in front of you, she blocks like a she, whole row. She blocks yeah. everybody. So she's right on the corner. So she's blocking like basically the entire top corner of the right. balcony. Mm, so. I, I got up and politely asked her to move. She started freaking out and, like, trying to, like, push me. I'm like, no, 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 do not touch me. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I'm like, you're ruining ice. I just want you to know, like, you have a seat right there that you could be using. Like, could you please sit down? I'm like, you're ruining about 40 people's time right behind right. me. And she's just, like, drunk and freak out, like, flailing around, trying to, like, hit me. I'm like, okay, you know what? You're just way too much. So she starts crying. <laughs> and then, um, like, she's lost her one more song. And she starts, like, trying to sway back and forth to music. I'm like, you don't even know who this is. And her, meanwhile, her boyfriend's, like, trying to, like, get her to sit down. Right. And then she just storms out and never comes back. I'm like, yeah. Excellent. And I get to see the rest of the show. Victory. And then you didn't have to put a beat down Victory. on anybody. No, not at all. And plus, yeah, she was just creepy and, like, trying to grab me. And it's I'm like, always, you know what? Act like an adult. It's good when, it's always good when somebody else intervenes for you when the responsible person comes in and sort of takes control of the situation. Uh, when we were, at, uh, we were at Kennewick on Saturday and we were watching Appetite for Deception, which is, I mean, uh, you, know, it is, you know, I know it's a bar and it's a casual setting and everybody's having a good time and that's fine, but there was that awful moment during, and it was during a slow song too, it was during Patience. So there's Appetite for Deception, who are really an exceptional band. I mean, a tribute band, but it's, it's fantastic. Probably, probably the best tribute band I've ever seen. And they get up there and they're doing Patience and it's a very slow song and it's, you know, it's kind of a little atmospheric and whatever. And they're and it's they're doing the whole quiet section, you know, where he's you know, 
and you sit here on the and you know, singing the whole thing. But but they're but they're leading up to that part where the guitar sort of busts in, and where he and where Axel goes into the sort of scream that you know I've been walking the street. So they're leading up to that, and as they're leading up to the loud section. The band is all sort of in the, gathered around one microphone in the middle of the stage, and they're doing the cool thing where they are all singing and they're doing the harmony, sharing a single mic. But they're leading up to the loud section. Meanwhile, there's all these microphones on the side, unattended, and of course, Drunky McSlosh gets up on stage and wanders up to one of the vacant microphones, and it was like just the worst of all because because the band had no idea. And here's a drunk guy on stage behind a live microphone as the song. He's heading towards the section where he's no, no doubt going to start like busting out his own vocals. And you could tell, like everybody in the crowd kind of went, and we all sort of tensed up because we're like, God, the band has no idea that he's there. They can't even see him. So if they start getting to the loud part of the song and suddenly there's this like idiot on stage screeching into the microphone, there's going to be awkwardness. And thankfully, at the last moment, like his wife slash girlfriend slash whoever sort of came up out of the crowd and grabbed him and led him off stage. And it was like disaster averted. Yeah. Good, so that's good, always good. good. All right. Uh, let's see. We'll get some uh, calls here in a second. Um, a, I would like to uh, point out to everybody that if you came to the station today via uh, First Avenue, if you came in the front parking lot, there's a whole series of, yes, convicted felons out cleaning the road in front of the station. Oh, they're usually out back. Are they? I yeah, never, they're, they're I never see them out back. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, they're so always over there cleaning. Over by the plaid pantry, guys, in the big, like, orange jumpsuits uh, out there, like, clearing brush, cool hand, Luke style. Uh, let's see. What else? I watched Mad Men finally last night. Uh, Jesus, what an exceptional way to start a season. Yeah. It was just it was just fantastic. And you were totally right when you compared it to Far From Heaven. Those uh, crane shots. Oh man, the crane shots and just the and I don't have much of an aesthetic eye for anything. Like I'm I'm just rocks and sticks and twigs and 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 you know badly badly drawn whatever. I mean I have no I have no sense for what looks good, but. Just the color scheme and the composition and just the layout of some of those sequences. And that whole opening uh, where they're playing the song. I forget what the song is that they're playing at the beginning. And they're all, and it's sort of the montage of everybody sort of getting ready for the day. Uh, and it, improbably enough, uh, that actress who plays, what's her name, Joan Holloway, uh, the, the, the big uh, hourglass secretary, she's gotten somehow even hotter uh, over the last year, which I didn't really think was possible. So, yeah, just, just an exceptional... Boy, in that whole sequence, I'm not trying to give anything away, but that whole sequence where Don's wife, uh, Betty, is like her car is broken down, and there's her and the tow truck guy by the side of the road, just so great and cringe-inducing and just weird. I mean, you're sort of waiting for something really bad to happen. So, it was... Uh, it was quite. It lived up to the hype. It was a film noir in color. It really was. I can't. I mean, it is. It, it, it really is. Uh, it's. It's quite exceptional. And the fact that we got another what twenty twenty one episodes of that show, uh, we really are living in a new golden era of television. There's no getting around that. Uh, oh, and at the risk of a sounding creepy and b echoing something that Peter Carlin said on Monday, and I know that I'm like three days late to the party because everybody else saw it on Sunday and I just saw it last night, but that's my boggle and everybody's going to have to go along with me for a moment. That section uh, where they're talking about the, what is it, Mohawk Airlines or whatever that airline company is, and that moment where Peggy, and you know that they film it this way, you know the director does this intentionally, where they're trying to figure out the tagline for traveling on the, on the, on the, air, on the airline, and Peggy, like, looks up at Don Draper because she's real short and he's real tall. And she looks up and she does that, like, what did you bring me, Daddy, line. And it's just, like, so weird and great and kind of creepy and cool. And so, anyway. Uh, so there's that. Let's see. What else? Oh, I just... Okay, so, yeah, I have the bad song to play. I got this whole thing about... I don't even have time to get into it. 
Um, except to say that, so speaking of badminton, except to say that my wife and I had this long... So we were coming back. So we, we were coming back for the shrink last night because uh, because I have my shrink appointment on Tuesdays. But it's like this thing where like I go to the shrink because as the shrink already said that Lara's perfect and all the problems are with me. So, but be that as it may, there's this thing where about every six weeks, like she comes in too. So it's like solo, 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 both of us solo, solo. So we're there last night and we were talking about something or other. And I forget exactly how we got into we, we got into this, this, this talking about the acquisition of stuff. And so. And how I'm always into throwing things out, and Lara's kind of always into getting more stuff. And that ended, and then, so that dovetailed into us watching Mad Men last night when we got to this big line. I'm not even going to call it an argument, but this whole discussion about getting a flat screen television. So she's all bent on this, like, getting a flat screen television uh, kick, which I, I hesitate to even bring up now because it's just going to, because then it will be late because it's going to take over the whole opening segment. But it's, at some point later on, I want to do, like, a little mini high concept thing, like, five minutes where I just talk to dudes who have a flat screen TV because I sort of fear, like I fear the laying down $1,200 for a television that then ends up being sort of pointless. Well, why do you need a new television? We don't need a new television. That's the thing. I just, there's, there's so much consumers. I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm not. Any well, it's like I got a TV that works. It's, it's, it's like you have one that works. I mean, but why, see, but why the, get another But one? don't you feel like it's weird? Like that's, like Laura and I are somehow, we've gone into this bizarro world where, like, she's the one that, like, because the guys who always want a flat screen TV are the guys who play Xbox, the guys who watch action movies, the guys who watch lots of TV. The, I mean, me, right? That's the guy who always wants a flat screen TV. Is the guy who sits there and watches Terminator 2 a thousand times. Uh, which is, you know, and I am that guy. I mean, I'm the guy with the gold, the, you know, the Dolby 7.1 surround sound in my house. So, it seems like I ought to be in to wanting a flat screen TV. But I'm just sort of inherently resisting it. And I then my wife... I think to spend your $1,200 well, on. Well, I suppose. On. But it's like then my wife, who watches nothing but Dr. Phil and, like, uh, you know, and Emma Thompson movies, is sitting there sort of agitating for once. So it's a whole thing. We don't have time to talk about it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Amuse us, first caller of the day, who is setting the tone for the entire show. Hey, Rick. Hey, sir. Hey, Tim. What's up? Uh, I got two things. One is, uh, I think you cut out the <clears throat> best part in that whole kiss uh, bite. Uh, Peter Chris uh, complains about not getting sausage with the Grand Slam. Oh, it's uh, it's it's actually it's Ace, uh, and I only cut it out for 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 uh, for in the in the in the, in the uh, interest of time, where they're doing that, you know, loose Lois, loose Lois, loose Lois. I wanted sausage with my Grand Slam. Yeah, it is worth noting, by the way, that that's really Gene Simmons and really Paul Stanley. In no way is that Peter Chris or Ace Fraley. I don't know why they made uh, Peter Chris and Ace Fraley so uh, like so basically retarded in that uh, episode. Oh, you know why. Uh, you know what? That's what happens when you leave things up to Gene. When you, that's what really when you leave Gene in charge of something, that's exactly what you get. So, oh, by the way, are you a Kiss fan, sir? Uh, a little bit. All right, then I'm you want to be listening later on in the program. I got the best thing, and I know I say that a lot, but really, I got the single best thing in the history of thingy things. I got a CD that is nothing but 72 minutes of Paul Stanley's between song stage banter. Guy sent it to me. It's called. It's called. Let me. It's called. People, let me get this off my chest. And it's there's no music, no singing, no nothing. It's just 72 minutes of Paul Stanley going. All right, people. I got a little song we're gonna play for you now. And it's just all that. I mean, taken from all different eras. You can tell that some of it's from the 70s, some of it's from the 80s, some of it I think is from just the last few years. It's just 72 minutes of Paul Stanley talking to the audience between songs and introducing whatever the next number is. And it's just, it's so great. It's like simultaneously the best and stupidest thing you've ever heard. It's glorious. So we'll play some of that later on. That's going to be awesome. All right, thank you, sir. And the second thing is, uh, I noticed that when Tim Riley got his new microphone, it just sounds like he's having intercourse with my ears now. 
Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. This is like the worst phrase I've ever heard. Well, would you like to hear something worse? No. All right. So here's the new song that we said. Well, here's the thing is I can't not play it, right? Like I, I have to, A, because this guy Steve uh, went to a lot of, you know, he went to a lot of trouble to sort of create it for us. And B, just because I played it and I'm not going to suffer alone. Okay. Understood? Are we all in agreement? Excellent. I'm, I'm going on the record that I don't want to hear it, but... Yeah, but you have to hear it. I know I have to hear it. I'm, right. I'm ready. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is called Shady Lady Girl. And I don't even know in what context you would have used that phrase, but I think you say it at some point. And so then he took it and he sampled it. Uh, so I give you Rick Emerson and Sarah Dillon starring in Steve's Shady Lady Girl on the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. Don't uh, Don't go anywhere. Let's get let's 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 get naughty. Let's get naughty. Let's get let's 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 get naughty. Let's get naughty. Let's get let's 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 get naughty. Let's get naughty. Let's get let's 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 get naughty. Let's get naughty. Ooh, I could even be a shady lady girl. Ooh, I could even be a shady lady girl. Ooh, I could even be a shady lady girl. Shady lady shady lady girl. Can I touch your breast? I don't really like it very much. Shady lady, shady lady girl. Can I touch your breast? I don't really like it very much. Shady lady, shady lady girl. <laughs> oh, dude, sexy. I have no moral problem. Oh, dude, sexy. <laughs> oh, dude, sexy. I have no moral problem. Oh, dude. Can I touch your breast? You know the most uncomfortable place to have sex is in the bungalow. Is that for sex? I have no moral problem. Kind of freaks me out. Really? I don't really like it very much. Maybe there are people who are into that. You pay to get a massage. You pay a girl to uh, to do it. Kind of freaks me out. This is our bungalow, honey. Who I could even be a shady lady girl. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This email says, hey, your audience is great and horrifying. That Shady Lady song was terrific, and at the same time, it made my skin crawl. I especially like Rick's Beavis laugh. Signed, I can even be a Shady Lady girl. Uh, yes, you can, sir. Uh, it's 503. Shady Lady girl with the brothel. Well, it must have been, because why else would you ever have used that phrase? Mm -hmm. But you see why I had to play it, though? Yes, I see. It's that thing of you going like, in the back. That was so creepy. <laughs> it's always weird to hear yourself made into something that you're not really, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're not all about to... You know, you're Lifting not. It up well, yeah. well, you know, you're not one of those like you're not one of those like idiot girl radio personalities. It's like I'm gonna be the sexy one, because here's the thing. Here's a little. Here's here's a, here's an essential truth. A girl who comes on the radio and tries to be sexy or sultry ends up being neither of those things. That's that's just one of life's sad facts, my friends. All right, it's five zero three seven three. I'm classy. Uh, 503-733-2970. That's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show from the hill. CNN Radio Correspondent to the Stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Hello, how are you? I'm fantastic. Let me ask you this about flat screen televisions. Do you own one? Yes. Okay, now, uh, how do I put this? Uh, <laughs> from, from, from where was the impetus? No, that's some, I'm mangling my syntax right off the bat. Whose idea was that? Yes, right. It was, in fact, not just an idea, but it was uh, a requirement of moving into our, our new home. It was sort of a, all right, if we're going to move, if we're going to do this, we're getting a flat screen TV. But you're sort of doing the pronoun uh, thing Jason. there where you're, okay. It so was Jason. Now was it, uh, so did you, you guys moved and I'm assuming then the move was your idea? 
No, we both wanted to move, but it was it's a, it's a long story. We, you know, there were two places we were looking at. We both liked them both, but we picked the one that I liked more, and it was kind of a like, well, you're getting to live in the place, you know, so this is the one thing I, I'm going to get. So this is the consolation prize. Kind, kind of, but I think wherever we went, it would have been a, hey, this is our, this is my, my thing as a, I am starting with a sort of, uh, new life, new perspective. I I want to. I I can't explain the argument, but it was something like that. So so to accompany the new man in your life, you wanted a new television as it well. Was, this was some part of Jason's argument. I think you know this is our new our new home, our new life together. That is such a guy thing too, the by the way. That, yes, that there's exactly. nothing nothing better to christen a new relationship with than to get a flat screen television. All right. So there, yes. Well, I'm going to be sort of uh, taking the, the temperature of various folks, as they call in today, because my wife and I had this, and again, I, I want to be very clear, one wasn't, wasn't an argument as such, but we're definitely in different sides of the issue. Oh. And, well, but here, but the weird thing is, it is but it is, sort of a, it is sort of this weird opposite day thing where, like, she really wants the flat screen TV, and I just, it, I mean, look, if I, it, if I just came home and, like, the television elves had brought me one during the day... That'll be fine. How much, if I, if I may ask, I don't mean to, to pry, sure. but about how much can you could I expect to pay for a new flat screen TV? Jeez, oh, I don't remember. We went to Costco to get ours, and I feel like we got a pretty good deal. I feel like it, it was a chunk of change. Like we, I had saved up because I knew it was coming, but I feel like it was maybe twelve hundred dollars. See, that's what I'm saying. It's a, did you, I mean, it was a chunk of change. I, I have these two. I, I'm sorry to make you my shrink. Oh. I, I love it. I will say I, I love it as well. I don't feel like, oh, that's Jason's TV. I, I love it. But don't you feel like, so you know, I, I say just just trying to push-pull you into my side of the argument here? Yes, yes. But, uh, don't you, right, whenever it begins, don't you think? Wouldn't you agree that um, <laughs> I just feel like I've never really watched a flat-screen TV that much except for the small amount of time I've spent at Lara's uncle's place because he has one. And, and it's like, I got a TV, work. It, it's, it's not like the TV I have now, like, like like it's falling apart and it only gets four channels and the volume can go up but not down and occasionally everything just turns puce. What? I feel like that because I've never had a flat screen TV, I have no idea what I'm missing. And you've there... also not had an HD TV. I have not had an HD. There's simultaneous issues, right? That's what I'm saying. So it's like I feel like I can just go forward, never really knowing what I what I'm missing. Yeah. Uh, you know, until I trip and and fall into that stream of gold that I'm expecting to come across any day. Once you see it, it's part of the problem here also, and I wonder if someone else has already brought this up with you, is that you're not a sports fan, and I feel That's, like yeah. if you are a sports fan. HD flat screen TV, it 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 does. You can it, there's a there's an argument there. Can I tell you this? Very, a very real argument. I was playing poker at a guy's house the other day about three weeks ago, and he has an 85 inch high definition screen. Oh, uh, it was a uh, it was tray, uh, and it, and you know but you know what he was demonstrating it with golf. <laughs> and so I mean, so that's it. it oh, but, no, football is the best. Football on HD TV is just fantastic. I mean, I do watch a lot of movies that consist almost entirely of things blowing other things up. There uh, you go. But, there you go. You know, it's I just I feel like I have the two warring, and I swear to God, we'll talk about news in a second. I feel like I have the two warring impulses, where it's like, like I'm a guy who you know, like as I said, I'll just sit there and I'll just watch, I'll just watch Tombstone on an endless loop or something for like a whole weekend, and I have the yeah, I have the Xbox 360, I have all that. But at the same time, it's like I'm a radio guy who's just led, for most of my adult life, I just lived in poverty or near poverty. Yes. And I just reflexively recoil at the thought of laying down a grand for a TV. There's it, just... I, yep. 
I know. I would. I know. It's true. I felt right. the same way. Well, but I, I, I have to say, I am now happy with it. Hey, let's talk about uh, Ted Stevens responding with defiance and emotion to a grand jury indictment. Oh, well, let's talk about you reading off the CNN prep sheet. <laughs> I was trying to sound casual there. <laughs> well, I, because I just uh, I just haven't really been following this probably as close right. as I should have. Uh, right. Now, he is currently the longest-serving GOP senator. Is that true? Yes, he, in, in their nation's history. Is it actually before statehood, even? Um, he he entered. It was he was a year before statehood. It's right. It's amazing that he was, a, I guess, a shadow senator at that point, 1958. All right. So here's a, I know that we probably talked a lot about this yesterday, but there was all kinds of ruckus happening yesterday. What bottom line? It what is he facing? We you know we don't know the. Uh, they're not giving us sentence guidelines on this. I'm sure someone can figure that out. But he's got seven counts of making a false statement. All of those seven felony counts, very serious. Uh, but, of course, not nearly as serious as corruption or bribery. And he says he's going to make a case of it. He's going to fight it. And he is not going to retire. He is going to continue uh, his election run. He has a primary, actually, in just under a month with, I believe, five other or six other Republican candidates. So the first question will be if he can make it through the primary, which you would think, he, you know, a man of you know his 50-year career in his state sh- should be able to do. But it's certainly... Uh, not clear. Meanwhile, he actually was at work today. He went to a committee meeting, and you can imagine he was followed by a horde of reporters. I wasn't down there, but my friend Ted Barrett was, and he here, I'll play for you what it sounded like, basically. Will you stay in, in the Senate? Nice to see you. I'll have comments later. Yeah, and he kept saying that. Nice to see you. Mm-hmm. I'll talk later. And then, of course, finally someone said, when? And he said, not today. <laughs> Um, do you feel like uh, he, he, that we live in a sort of post-Tom DeLay's mugshot kind of era here where... <laughs> and that is such a great mugshot as well. But I mean, he, but that Tom DeLay mugshot set the standard, right? That's one where, because normally where they all look like Paul Rubens, where it's like grimy and looked, looked like you were about ready to go strangle a kitten somewhere and just looked yeah. terrible. But Tom DeLay had this mugshot where it looked like he was being photographed for a country club membership. Yeah, and, he did, it's true. And, and, and I tie that into this. There was a time like Jimmy Swagger comes to mind, where somebody would be popped doing something, allegedly, uh, and he would, you know, and he would come on, and he would cry and weep and wail and rend his garments and say, I've sinned against you, and just immediately just sort of cop to it and, and just try to put it past him. But I think we have entered a such a polarized... I, just, I was just talking to a guy the other day about this. I think we've entered such a polarized uh, sort of time in this country that immediately, as Hunter Thompson would say, you adopt the stratagem of never apologize, never explain. Uh, and that's the thing is you just say, I didn't do it. It's a smear campaign by my, by my political enemies and the slanted media. And you just stick to that, man. And it doesn't, it, it, that's, you know, and I'm not saying he's guilty or not the matter. I'm just saying that is the new way to handle these things is you just flat out scream that scream of denial regardless of whatever they got on you. No, I think there's a split here. It depends on what the accusation is, because there, maybe we're hitting to the two extremes. There is, there's definitely that school of thought. Deny you are innocent. There is another school of thought that comes from Bill Clinton, which is, you know, as soon as, soon as it is absolutely clear that you're guilty, <laughs> uh-huh. confess. And, and, you know, or even before that. And we've seen this with, for instance, um, Ted Kennedy's son, Patrick Kennedy, who held a news conference and said, yes, I'm an alcoholic. Right. But, you know, remember we had that whole, with the Mark Foley, we had all of these guys saying, hey, I've done these things because I've got a drug, alcohol abuse problem, sure. those sort of things. So we've got this other kind of PR thing happening in Washington where the thought is, if you apologize for it first, you will minimize the damage. 
But that's not, you know, those are generally people not accused of felonies. Yeah, I would say, hey, uh, real real quickly, speaking of, I was just going to make a, a Nixon reference, as I often do, oh, and, and oh. talk about how post-Watergate, every generation gets smarter and smarter and smarter about how to do things and get away with it. What is it? They, are they, is, is Karl Rove being uh, hit with some contempt of Congress thing? Yes. In fact, the House Judiciary has voted to uh, charge him with contempt, but here's how that works. That charge now goes to the Justice Department. All right. Can I just tell you, I would love nothing more than if they just sentenced that guy to a paddling. <laughs> Can I tell you, know, right, I mean, really, this, uh, you know, the, the, the fine or jail time or whatever, that, I don't want that. I want to see him paddled. I want to see him paddled in public. That would just, it would just, it would just satisfy the deepest craving in me for some perverse reason. <laughs> I have to tell you, there is actually more news on in Washington today. It has been a frenzy over energy, and maybe we'll have more time to talk about it tomorrow. But right now, the House is voting on a bill that's aimed to curb oil price speculation. But essentially what's going on is the president has said he would veto this bill. He doesn't think that's going to do any good. Uh, meanwhile, Democrats' leaders are saying they will not bring up a vote on offshore oil drilling. We've talked about that before, even though... The president says that's the the one thing he supports. So there is a potential compromise in the middle, but both sides are blocking significant pieces of the other's energy ideas, and, and they're getting nowhere. It's it's really fascinating dance that's happening today, um, and maybe we can talk more about tomorrow. In fact, we'll know more tomorrow, but it's 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 been a wild day. I think five news conferences so far, and Speaker Pelosi has another one in about 40, 40 minutes or so. Well, that's what they do. That's Those are their only marketable skills. They block, uh, they block, they thwart, they impede, they obfuscate. That's it. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hate, I hate to end on such a down. There, like is, there is a compromise bill, and I have to admit, uh, for the first time in a long time, I, it had that kind of verb, almost that sort of Henry V, chariots of fire, sort of sound to it where a group of Democrats and Republicans have agreed on a compromise. And they said they, they it was interest, in an interesting Washington note, everyone was insisting again and again, not a single lobbyist helped us with uh, this, uh, <laughs> which is which is truly, actually, sadly, remarkable. But the <laughs> fact is that this compromise is, is stuck because it has elements that both sides don't like, even though it is really probably uh, closer to what most Americans want than anything else. All right. Uh, as you know, we we got to roll. You on tomorrow? I'm on tomorrow. All right. We will talk to you then. Thank you, Lisa. Bye. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. All right. Fantastic. Wonderful. Excellent. Uh, Jesus. All right. Uh, let's see. Well, we've got uh, we've got these calls I could do. Oh, that's Rube, though. Okay. So we'll do uh, Jim Rube here. We'll get some calls here. Uh, I don't know if we'll set aside a whole, like, See, but it's like, do you see what I mean about the about the flat TV thing, though? That it's well, just. Yeah, I'm, I'm just. If it isn't broke, don't fix it. That's, that, that's my mentality. It's like I almost now don't even want to see one. It's like I don't. It's like when Trey was showing me. He's like, and he has the whole thing where like the screen lowers out of the ceiling. Yeah. It's like, look at my 85 inch HD TV, and I almost didn't want to look at it. Because then it would be like I would go home and I would look at like my regular like cathode ray television and be like, ah, it's just so it's so inferior. I'm less than a man. Uh, so it's, it's like as long as I only watch TV at my house from now on, mm -hmm. I will never know what I'm missing. But I think that's how they nail you. It's like with the rent to own thing, right? That's how they, that's how they that's how they sort of get people with that rent to own stuff. You like you get the guy who's like, well, we can always just give it back if we don't like it. But of course, once you get the thing into your house, then you can't picture your house without it, and then you got to like keep paying for it. So I'm just going to try to avoid contact with any and all flat screen and or HD. And here's the thing, and then we'll talk to Ruben in like five seconds. I don't even know if they're the same thing. Let me ask you, flat screen TV, HD TV, same thing, different things, two different things. I have no idea. I have no idea.
Jesus. It's hard to be an American sometimes. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. I'm guessing flat screen is a style, and the HD is the broadcast method or the uh, operation of the thing. See, I think that's probably the case. And then... Uh, and then uh, these really are problems that, that only we have in this country. I mean, other. But I really I mean, don't give a rest. I mean, that's the, the, the ass. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, rodents rump. Um, I mean, you know, in other, in other, you know, you know there, there are other countries where they're just sitting around collecting a small pile of dirt clods for dinner. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And here I'm just like, I don't know what television. But I then there's that whole thing of like plasma versus LCD, and it just uh, just becomes too. It becomes too. It makes me want to go read a good book. You know. <laughs> I'm just going to sit at home. I'm just going to sit at home and, uh, you know, and crack open my copy of, uh, you know, of, of uh, you know, whatever for the 50th time. There you go. All right. Um, hey, so uh, how about that earthquake? How about that? So here's a here's a fun fact. So yesterday we did not realize, but then later dis- sort of remembered that we had booked all these folks from Los Angeles yesterday. We were talking to somebody from TMZ, and then we had singer songwriter production legend Ron Dante, uh, who was uh, sang for the Archies. And produced a bunch of Barry Manilow's hits and whatever. And it was like, supposed to be on a 2, two 205, 210. Couldn't figure out why he wasn't on the phone with us. And then we heard that the, the, the quake had actually knocked out either landlines or cell phones or a combination of both, something oh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but this is one of those things where not living in California, I can never really tell how sort of impactful it is. You'll pardon the pun. Because well, it, it, it didn't knock the cells out. It didn't knock the phones out. The phone systems were overloaded. Um there was an 800% spike in cell phone usage immediately following the earthquake. So it created what they call call blocking. So you couldn't receive or send, even though you had full bars or whatever they call that crap. Uh, so it was really a, a matter of people getting on their phones when they shouldn't have uh, to let the emergency traffic go through. But it's a 5.4. I mean, eh, it was nothing. So this is that whole thing, though, that then that, you know, they have these stories you're sitting in a drawer somewhere. And I saw them this morning where the guy, like, opens his, like, California earthquake news file. And then they run the, when will the big one hit California? Yeah. And so that's, I think today they said sometime in the next 30 years. That was there, you know. because well, the next decade, the next 30 years, I mean, no one really knows. That's the, that's the thing. It's and part of the joy of living in California. You know, and, and yesterday was like, oh, yeah, well, we've got to be ready for that, don't we? Yeah. Well, it's like uh, it's like living here. Uh, you know, in the shadow of Mount St. Helens, uh, which, you know, is, as as I think George Carlin says, is active just enough to keep life sort of interesting. Uh, you just, uh, you know, you just never really know when that's going to happen. So, all right. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question. Somebody asked me a question about something, and I realized that I only really know what you have told me about it. And as we often say, the things that start in California end up here. So this, this business of the fast food ban, they're not getting rid of the fast food restaurants, right? They're just, they're just, you can't have new ones. It's just, and they passed it yesterday. The city council passed it yesterday. In a certain area in East L.A., near USC, in that strip on Figueroa, I believe, you cannot, there is a ban on fast food restaurants for one year. It's a possibility of a, of two six month extensions on that, but I mean other restaurants, a, a sit down restaurant, if you will, uh, can definitely be built there. Grocery stores. It's just they're trying to curb the uh, the fast food 
obesity issue. Let me understand this. So I could actually, you could open a supermarket where I could then go and I could just fill my mouth full of Ready Whip until I weigh 700 pounds. Yeah. You could open a Ruth's Chris there where I could go, and God love Ruth's Chris, but where I could just go and fill myself full of red meat until my heart explodes. Yeah. I just can't, you can't build a new place where I can get a Whopper. Welcome to the nanny state of California. All right, seriously. All right, my friend, as yeah, always. Honestly, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, it makes no sense at all. It's I mean, unless they, they, to really make an impact, they'd have to close down what's there. There's millions of these things out there. One more is not going to make See, any See, that was going to be my thing. It's like it, it it would be equally, if not, I mean, it would be more insane, obviously, if they were to look, and we're going to shut down all the ones that are there. But at least that would have some sort of internal logic to it based on their stated goal. But as you said, this way, it's not like there's a paucity of fast food restaurants in that area. You know, I should look and see if that ordinance includes donut shops. You know, here's what you should do. Uh, here's what you should do. It would be a little interesting sidebar thing. You should somehow track or find out. In other words, as you said, there are fast food restaurants all over that area. They're not going to have any more, but it seems like by definition, I mean, I'm no market analyst, but it seems like by definition, if you were going to open more fast food restaurants in that same geographic region, it would not increase the number of people eating fast food. It would simply reduce everybody's slice of the pie a little bit. The, the, the finite amount of fast food consumed would probably remain almost static. Yeah, true. It's like I said yesterday, uh, the the owners of fast food restaurants right now are very happy. Yeah, because all this... And the people, and it just gives the people less choice. And all this does is reduce competition and guarantee more stability in their dollar income for the fast food restaurants that are already there. So really, they are helping all of the fast food restaurants that are currently there. And here's something else that's ridiculous. If somebody wants to open up another pizza place, well, there's already six. So one more pizza place, is that going to matter? It's no. not like it's a different kind of fast food. Right, that is or true. Or one more chicken place. Or one more hamburger place. It doesn't, it really is this, it's the stupidest thing I think I've ever heard. It I've is, heard a lot of stupid things out of that council. It is cosmetic legislation, my friend. Yes. All right, as exactly. always, you and I are the two last smart men on earth. Where that's it. <laughs> and, ever, your, and every listener you have. That's true. No, but I mean in a sea of insanity. Uh, really, it's us. It's just that we, we have, you know, just that we have a small village of, of uh, a small village of the prescient. So, all right, sir. Well, enjoy your day, and uh, may it be vibration-free. We will uh, <laughs> talk to you in the near future, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Jim Roop. <sighs> Aaron is, like, taunting you with these emails. Oh. You keep CCing me on. Oh, no. Like, be a man. Buy, buy a flat-screen TV. Uh, let's see. How about this? Uh, let me just read a couple of these. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, let's see. Where did it go? Uh, Rick. Let's see. Somebody just sent me a guy just sent me like a price breakout of what he spent. Uh, here we go. See, this is the sort of thing that frustrates me. Rick, a new TV will cost between four hundred and four thousand dollars. You can get an HD TV that is a CRT cathode ray, which cuts the cost down and doesn't have some of the minor problems with the wrong resolution showing digital artifacts. This is from Thomas, the dead guy, of course, who was whose mental acumen is such that it just outstrips mine in a matter of nanoseconds. Uh, A nice 36-inch HDTV will be between $500 and $1,000. Anyway, so there you go. Don't you feel like this is one of those things where you need to be uh, rich enough that you can not only afford the thing, but you can afford people to make the decisions for you for the thing? You know, it's like having some sort of a personal trainer or a chef where you kind of look in your cupboard and you go, 
I really don't know what's what's good for me. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, would you make, will you make me dinner, you know, just so they can figure out what the hell you're supposed to be eating and what you're not. Mm-hmm. That's my thing with this. I just, uh, I, I, I just, just don't like having a lot of expensive things. I just feel like it's, you're more vulnerable to like. Especially in our neighborhood, like being robbed or yes, something. Yes, yes, you are, Sarah. Because yeah, because if you're like sitting there, you know, it's like this twelve hundred dollar TV in your living room, and you and Lara are out of town. It's can like, I can I admit something to you now? Yeah. Okay, here's a, here's a little thing just between you and I, Sarah. Here's 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 a little. Um, <laughs> just checking my watch to see if my wife was listening. Oh jeez. <laughs> Hi, I'm all man. Um, but here's the thing. I think, and I don't think she would ever say this because I don't even think I don't think she maybe is even consciously thinking this maybe she is I don't know maybe I'm being swindled here but I also think that with every purchase like this it's like it gets us closer to having to buy a house you know what I mean oh totally because uh, uh, because you can't just keep all of those possessions in your little rental yeah because otherwise forever. it's like you're living in a cardboard box with a Picasso I mean it just makes no sense totally so it's like with every she's because it's like she's you know she redid the basement which is fine but now she's like we need better furniture for the living room I'm like well Okay, I can almost see that because everything Next we have. going to be. That baby's cute. <laughs> you shut your mouth. Uh, that is, I'm just saying, I remember is, five years ago. That is not happening. and marriage. And that is pre poodle. Rick, Rick pre poodle. And, and expensive furniture and basements redone. Well, to be fair, we don't We don't be. have expensive furniture, to be fair. Uh, you know. Did we, you guys buy that expensive purple couch thing? No, well, I mean, it's all relative. It's more expensive than what you have because yours is 50 bucks. Tim has a twenty. Tw- Tim has a twenty-five hundred dollar sofa. I got two big sofas for like three fifty. So it's 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 all relative. That being said, she's like, well, we should get better furniture. And I do have to see that there's some logic there because our coffee table, our coffee table was free from her aunt and uncle in Burbank nine years ago. I stole my coffee table from my sorority in college. Yeah, I mean they literally gave it to us because it because it's terrible. It's all tacky and seventies looking. And so I have to admit that and our entertainment center costs like fifteen dollars. It's like press board. So I uh, you know, so there 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 is there is something you know, again, because somebody gave it to us. Mm-hmm. You know? So there's that. But it's like I almost feel at some point like if I start get the, the more and better stuff I get, it's like inevitably it will lead to the new house. <laughs> and like and to me and furniture I don't even you have not, a problem. You don't want a new house? No, I don't. I have no. See, to, to, if it were up to me, if it were up to me, we would just live in an apartment. Mm-hmm. Really. Uh, that being said, there are certain I, there are certain things I like about having a house because we can be as loud as we want. Nobody can hear us. Uh, you know, and despite all the, is it a duplex or is it not a duplex? I mean, the, the, the people next door can't hear us. I mean, they have full-on bands playing in their basement sometimes, and we can't hear it. Uh, so. I'm not even opposed to the furniture. That's it's like furniture is a thing. Like I can, like I can, I can get that. For that's a thing that I'm okay with. It's the, I think it's the it's it's the TV for some reason that is like the tipping point in my head. I don't know why that is, but that to me is for whatever reason that's the thing that I think it's like that's the that's the straw that breaks the that breaks the renter's back. Uh, and I feel like inexorably that would lead us towards like buying a house somewhere, which I'm just so opposed to. I'm just so unbelievably set against it. And I, and, but I'm the first to admit that I think I'm only said I think I'm only opposed to getting a house because I just have such a bad, uh, whatever fear or whatever. Even now, just from my early, from the early, my early sort of career, you know what I mean? And it's not like radio is a stable career to begin with. I mean, you know, it's never going to be that stable. But that being said, we're in a much better place than we were, you know, than when I was 19, mm-hmm. uh, when I was just terrified to buy anything. Uh, so for fear that it would just completely put me into bankruptcy. So a house, that whole concept just freaks me out because it's like too much commitment. Well, and that's the thing is, and I'm like, and she has slowly become more adult, and I've just stayed more and more retarded. So 
<laughs> you don't really grow up a lot in our business. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, you know. Um, Who says? Well, Tim Riley has. But you've always been grown up. You were never immature. I, I was born old. You were born a 35-year-old. Yeah. I mean, I can. I, I totally know that. Now, and not to start a whole thing, but I was, uh, you know who had a really, you know who gave a really good interview this morning? And it's one of those things where you don't want to like it, but then you find yourself listening going, he's not happy. And you, like, you're so set against hating him or uh, to hating him. Toby Keith, of all people, was on Dennis Miller this morning and, like, and just came off as like like the most normal guy, and I was so in, and I was just, I, it was making me angry. I was like, come on, be a jackass, because he, he just Jumped came forward a couple times. Yeah, he 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 came, he came off as so mellow, and I was kind of getting angry about it. But he had a great statement where where he told his dad at one point growing up, he said uh, when he was a kid, he told his dad, he said, I want to grow up and be, he said, I want to grow up and be an entertainer, and his dad his dad said, you can't do both, uh, which I thought was a pretty that's a pretty that's a, that that's, is that is a pretty great little statement, and so. But you know, my wife has the respectable job and the respectable, you know, the career and the whatever, and uh, and and I think I am just, uh, you know, I am just not that guy. So I think I resist. Oh, I, every every couple has the one, the one who makes the real living, yeah. and the other who just plays every day. Every and, and the other, and the, the other agree to accept that. <laughs> yeah, it's like you be the stable one. I'm gonna go be a jackass uh, for four hours. So uh, enjoy your day. That sounds right. like a good balance. At least. Yes, it does. Oh, well, you know, one decides how to build a bomb, the other sits in the backyard playing with jacks. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Well, at this point, we'll just uh, we'll roll we'll roll into the. Uh, are these all calls about television? They, they are. Uh, well, if you're on hold, uh, hang on. We'll we'll get some calls here in just a few. So people have been very patient. If you're on hold, hang on. We'll get to that. It's KCMD Portland, ladies and gentlemen. Please make way. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And by the way, even if you do buy a house, even if you did lose your job, you still have to pay your rent. That is true. But you know, here you always have to pay for where you're. Yeah, living. but you know the thing is, I don't have to fix anything now. That's the other thing about it. And I know it sounds like a small. Well, I don't either. I have this uh, warranty, and they they come out and fix anything I want. That your house comes with a warranty? Yeah. I don't understand. I I pay a fee every year. But I mean, a warranty from who? Like the house is yours. So who who fulfills the warranty? If anything breaks down, they come out and fix it. Who they? Who who is they? Uh, a company that sells these warranties. Oh, really? So it's like a one-size-fits-all if anything breaks in your house? Yes. Is that, uh, well, obviously it's not prohibitively expensive. Would you say that it's very under, pricey? Under 300 a year. That's insane. No, it is. If you were a homeowner, you'd know, wouldn't you? <laughs> the voice of smug authority says to me, <laughs> if you weren't such a child and smelly. See, it's not as expensive as you think. No, that's actually... You're, you're going to pay more of fixing stuff that breaks down in your own apartment. Damn, it seems like at that price, I can't afford not to buy a house. Your wife was right. As she always is. Here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's see how well this goes today. Investigators believe a candle left burning on a deck started a fire that severely damages south and a house in southeast that burst into flames. Hardly anybody noticed that two residents were playing chess on the back deck and left the candle burning. And then they caught the house on fire. It happened at 1225 this morning, spread to a neighboring home at 3559 Southeast Morrison. Candle to floor carpet three. <laughs> It was a chess joke. Never mind. This fire cost an estimated $165,000 damage to the home. Carpet and takes carpet takes house. No, candle takes house. <coughs> Never mind. I'm trying to make chess humor out of this fire. It's, it's not working. All right. And it cost $15,000 to the next door neighbor's house. <laughs> but if they'd had insurance, Tim. Mm -hmm. If they'd had this. You know, well, now, what will that warranty cover? 
Anything that breaks down the house. But, I mean, you're saying anything like if... Uh... I've used it before on uh, a refrigerator, and I'm going to use it on uh, the air conditioning that doesn't air condition one of the rooms properly. So it is, but it, it is it is your house or any of the appliances in it? Yes. So what if, let me ask you this, so if uh, if I spill 15 quarts of frozen blueberries on the carpet, and the carpet is, is irrevocably damaged, it will cover that? Yes. That's astounding. Why wouldn't everybody have that? Why doesn't everybody have that? I don't know. I never even knew it existed, and I know that's because I don't own a home. Is that a thing they offer you when they sell you the home? Well, you get it for the first year when you buy the home, then you can renew it after that. Is that a thing they've always had? That seems like a no. recent innovation. Yeah, it is. For uh, I don't think my parents had that. No. All right. Okay. So it's the undercarriage coding of, uh, of home ownership. Mm-hmm. All right. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, so anyway, that's what happened. So a house blew up, and uh, it was because people were playing chess and forgot that they lit a candle. Don't Play neglect chess. the candle. Mm-hmm. Be careful. A man who was peeping in a 14-year-old girl's bedroom threw a garbage can at a neighbor who was trying to catch him and ran away. The neighbor called 911. The police used a tracking dog to look uh, for the person. They were unsuccessful. The girl told Beaverton police the man may have been the same one who tried to contact her earlier this month. Uh, the incident happened at 1.30 in the morning at an apartment complex at Shoals Ferry Road. The neighbor who tried to catch the man said he'd seen the man there twice this month. The apartment manager said the man was seen looking in the window of the first floor apartment. Yeah. Um, so, uh, police arrived. They couldn't find the prowler. Can I just tell you this? So I, we don't have the problem of uh, people sort of intentionally, uh, looking in the house, but did you ever do that thing? I, I don't know how everybody's house is, is laid out here, but did you ever do the thing where you're walking around the house and you're like in your boxer shorts or quite possibly just getting into a shower and you realize that the right sequence of doors and windows is open and you are completely visible from the street? Am I alone? Just me? Because I, I have trees shielding me from... Of course you do. Of the front. <laughs> you also... Are you also... Uh, there are also like hired hands who just stand outside with a series of... Uh, with a series of, of huge fans that just, you know... Just a huge series of mache fans that block the house. I, I will say something. I got a letter in the mail from the dog people of Washington County and said, Although I wasn't home, they have realized that I have dogs living in my house. Now, how would they know that unless they got a ladder and climbed up and looked into the third floor windows? What do you mean the dog people of Washington County? Uh, the people who make you buy dog licenses. Apparently, it's a rule in Washington County that you have to license your dogs. Otherwise, they can fine you $500, according to this letter. And they said, I wasn't home, but they learned, even though I wasn't home, that I have dogs Living in my property. Now, now, had this been true, they would have had to climb a ladder and look in the third-story windows where the dog spend the day. So there's a guy. There's a guy with crampons just sort of scaling up the side of your house. It's yeah. like that French Spider-Man guy. Well, that's weird. So did you respond? I had dogs in my house if I wasn't home. Of course, the dogs are always inside, and they would have to go all the way up to the third floor with a ladder to find out that I have dogs up there. Yeah, so I. It's really creepy. Uh, so uh, yeah, but so if I were you, I would immediately reply back and be like, "Look, uh, a, I would like you for for you to get bent as you have never been bent before, and b, how do you know this? Mm. I would that would be I want to want to and c, stay off my property. And c, yes, c, stay the hell off my lawn. Uh, but you know now, but c, even without processing this further, I know how this happened. You know how it happened too, don't you? Yes. Is someone informed on you? As I, you have informed on your own neighbors. No, I have not. I think. Didn't you have a t- car towed the other day? That was an abandoned car. Oh, that was an abandoned car. An abandoned car. They, they were, was they, it missing wheels? 
It had a flat tire. Mm. All right. They wouldn't know it was me. I'm just saying. Have it, I, I think the the veterinary offices sell this information to the county. Ah, uh, I wouldn't. No, see, because I know that the state, if you register with something, for the, the state will sell your information. Anybody. See, hundreds of people. I would think that that information would be protected because it is a sort of medical history, even though it's of an animal. So, all right. So, you know, because I was running, I could just sort of see one of your neighbors, uh, you know, like, and there's a man at the end of the street, and he has two dogs, and I don't, you know, and then it's like a black car comes and shoves you into the trunk, and you're never seen again. Just come back all bruised up. But I have a feeling it was a veterinarian's. All right. Well, in any event, so so somebody knows about your dogs who are on the third uh, the third story of your house. And, but, I, the other, but the other day, I was sort of like getting out of the shower, and I it was that thing of, it's like how we've all had that, that awful... Um, that awful thing happened uh, where uh, you are um, taking care of your restroom business, and then only after the fact you realize there's no there's no toilet paper. We've all had that where you didn't because you didn't think to check beforehand, and then you go, okay, well, crap, you know, and just and then you're screwed. Um, but I got out of the shower the other day and I look at the the towel rack or whatever, no towels, and so I'm like, well, but I. Ah, garbage. And so then it's like, I, and then I, and then I'm, it's, and, and I'm actually so, you know, I'm sitting there just dripping wet. And I'm like, well, what the hell am I going to, I'm going to track a wall over the house. So I, I went so far as to like open the hamper and I'm like, well, maybe there's a towel that was just recently used. I mean, that's, well, I know, but I mean, it's like, you don't want to be walking through the house all wet. And so I'm like, well, there's not even a used, t- well, hell. And so I open the bathroom door and I'm standing in the hallway and I'm like looking up and down and I'm opening a closet. And, and then I realize that there is exactly the right sequence of doors and windows. And it's that thing where it was in the evening and the illumination in the house. It was just right. So that if you were standing across the street, uh, like maybe if you were one of my neighbors across the street, sort of loitering, having a smoke, you would be able to see right in my window. And there I am just sort of standing in the all together uh, right there in the hallway. So that I was actually have a hall yeah, through my kitchen where my spare towels are. And I've had that happen to me before. And that did actually happen, except for my window faces my neighbor's yeah. window. And it's just a woman who lives there. But still, my windows were open. And I had to run through the kitchen to get to this hallway. And I never could find a towel. So here's where I, here's where I ended up drying myself. I could, And it's like, did you ever do that where it's like all... I don't mean to be the guy talking about, and then one of your socks vanishes in the dryer. But I don't, but, but where sometimes there will, getting all worked up about this. Have this, this. Did you ever notice this? That sometimes every single representative item of a certain kind of laundry is gone. Everything. Because, like, uh, okay, so today, you can't see this, but today I'm wearing a button down shirt. But because I don't wish to sweat through and offend, I wear the V neck white t shirt underneath. Uh, that's just a good. But do you ever notice this? Sometimes, I don't know what the female equivalent of this would be, but sometimes just, you're like, okay, here's my button down, where's my V-neck T-shirts, and they're gone. They're not in. The, they're not. In, they're not on the shelf. They're not even. In, they're not in the dryer. They're not on the washer. They're not in the hamper. They are nowhere. They're gone. Every single one. And then mysteriously, the next day, they're all back. And then, but then it's all boxer shorts that are gone. They're nowhere. They're in, because there's a whole chain of places. Your body, then the hamper, then the washer, then the dryer, then the, you know, the whatever, the stack to be put away, then the closet. And they're in none of those places. It's like they've all, the underpants gnomes have just come and taken them away for a whole day. So, couldn't find any towels at all. Here's how lame I am. Here's how I ended up drying myself. I ended up finding uh, Sarah, do you remember that Gilmore Girls bathrobe? Oh, yes, that I That I was given for my 30th birthday by the uh, folks at the WB? Like Gilmore Girls hat. Yes, and an autographed poster, which I still have. Uh, so I ended up, and the Gilmore Girls bathrobe is really thick. It's like this really thick terry cloth, and it has, a, and it has like a, whatever, like a, like a hood, 
You know, it's like a boxing, it's almost like a boxing robe. It's got the big hood that goes up. So I just take the big, I take the big, I find the big Gilmore Girls bathrobe in a closet, and I just put it on, and I just sort of like press it really tightly to my body, and I sort of sit down and hunch over so that it presses all over me, and then that's how I'm dry. Oh there you go. God. I'm just that classy. Oh, let's, You are classy with a K. Hi, I'm a classy guy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, what's going on? What's up, brother? Hey, so I was the guy that brought you guys those prison greeting cards and whatnot. Yes, sir. Um, I actually also manage a veterinary practice uh, in the Portland area, and we don't sell your information for your dogs to, like, the state so they can come find you and say that, ah, you're not registered. How about Washington uh, County? Uh, no, we we don't. Our clinic is located in said county. No, it is. Um, now, do you have any how do you have any suspicion how they would have known that Tim has uh, dogs in the third floor of his home? Um, it, like if, it, it might, okay, let's put it this way. I manage vet practice. My two dogs are not registered. Um, and, uh, what happens is if, if like they, like someone from the county actually can go around and if you, if they see your dogs or hear them, they can match that address because the way they do it is if you get a rabies vaccination for your animal, you then, it, that does get registered. Uh-huh. And that's how the registration works. We don't uh-huh. sell it to them, but if you don't have a current rabies tag for them, and purchase that rabies tag, there's no way for them to know. My dogs are vaccinated against rabies. I don't have the tag for them. Um, which, by the way, I'm not giving the name of my practice or my name, right. um, as I am pleading the fifth. Yes. Anyway, but uh, what they can do is match that and say, if they hear your dog or see him and go, wait a sec, we don't have anything registered at this address, that's one way, or the most likely is your neighbor ratted you out. Yeah, this email. So, so I didn't buy the tags for right. the dogs, although they've been vaccinated. All right. Yep. So, so there is a law. They can find you something like 500 bucks if you don't register your dog. Oh, hell yeah, they can. So how do they do that? How does that practice work? Do they come in and rescue? No, no. <laughs> sure you well, okay. Put so a suit at jacket you over your that, head. Uh, you know the photo light uh, speeding tickets or whatever if you run a red light? Uh-huh. Think of it like that. They just send you something in the mail. What if you don't pay it? Well, I don't know. I... They put out a bench warrant or something for you? What if I say you? that the dog has died since you last heard it? Um, I imagine it's one of those things where you could probably just call some government agency and sit on the phone for about four hours on hold and then tell someone, and they'll go, oh, yeah, our oversight, sorry. I, I don't know. I, uh, crossing my fingers, that hasn't happened to me, but, uh, I, I you know, there's a, I think that they give you a warning at first. I don't know if they go right out and find you, but, uh, All right. or, or if they do find you and you can prove that your dog actually has a rabies uh, tag, maybe, you know, you can work something out there. All right. Thank you, sir. Hold on hey. a second. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hey, Dave, what, what is happening? And Dave is in sending us. Yeah. Oh, does she not have a house key? All right, Sarah, well, it's 20 after. Can we break here? Sure. All right, so uh, apparently my wife is locked out of the house. Thank you, Dave. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, take a break here. Uh, it's 503-733-3970. Back after this, more of your phone calls. Tim Riley. Uh, later on, we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum and Cuber. Uh, today's top five, top five Barry Manilow songs, Kristen Bowie, all that coming up. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Sexy. Uh, why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming. Wow. I'm looking, at this, I'm looking at this graphic that Bridget made for the 888 thing. The uh, the Portland address or the Emerson address or whatever we're calling it. It's fantastic. It's like this huge Mao Zedong-esque picture of me hanging off the side of the Hawthorne Bridge. Well done, Bridget. Uh, so, uh, so Tim missed this yesterday. Um, so uh, next 
Friday, next Friday, next Friday, is 888, uh, because 666, we had Horns Across the Hawthorne, 777, uh, we had Vanilla Ice Live on stage. Uh, next Friday, 888, uh, August 8th, 2008. At, uh, at 2 p.m. Uh, so Todd the Corpse had this uh, fantastic, genius, wonderful, glorious, golden idea uh, for uh, at next Friday, 2 p.m., we get every radio, uh, every set of speakers, every net stream, everything everywhere in the entire metropolis here uh, tuned to AM 970, and then we can address the entire population of the city, nay, the state, nay, the galaxy, uh, at once. And now I don't even... Now it's like we had. Now I have to actually figure out what the hell we would even say. I don't even know what it's going to be. All I know is it's going to have the Independence Day music underneath it, and it's going to be wonderful. Uh, so that'll be next Friday, 888, uh, at 2 p.m. Uh, we will be addressing uh, the entire city of Portland uh, at once. So they're going to get the, the, the details up there at 970.am. Uh, so... Uh, I hate to be doing this, but I almost feel like, uh, Tim, that I, I should be soliciting Ginger for you on the air as we speak. Well, I know where to get it. But but you're here for the next. You're incarcerated in this in this studio for the next two and a half hours. I know, but I think I'll be fine. All right. Yeah. I have all this Catholic guilt about the fact that you're here working. Don't get me wrong. Rick Emerson admires your strong work ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just saying. All right. No, I, I do feel bad that you you have something that isn't an iPhone that doesn't give you timely messages when I email them to you. Yes. Well, it's good to see that you still have the energy to snark. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> that's what lets me know you're alive. No, 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 he's still alive. I can hear him snarking. Keep digging. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. What's Hi, up? Hi, Sarah. Hello. Hi, Mr. Velvet Fog. Hey. Hello. Um, Hello. Listen, I feel for you because the, the TV is your hearth. That's why it produces so much anxiety in you. And um, I, I, was, I swore to drive my 18-year-old TV into the ground, and it just failed. I was watching Pitch Black, and then it went Pitch Black. And uh, it's made in Tennessee. It was American-made, probably the last one. I really wanted to keep that TV, and it was green for like three years. So I know what you're feeling about not wanting to get into the LCD thing. Well, keep in mind, I'm not. There's nothing. Here's the difference, though. If my uh, TV, my cathode ray television, uh, on which I watch all manner of programming, if, if there was something like if it wasn't working, if there was something wrong with it, if it was broken in some way, if the picture was, as you said, all greenish, or if it was only getting like half the channels or something, I, I would have no compunction. Is that the word? A word like that? I would have no problem getting rid of the TV. And getting a new one. And frankly, at this point, if I was getting a brand, like if my TV blew up tonight and I was going to get a brand new TV, I'd probably just take the plunge and do it because, again, that's a thing you buy every five, six, seven, eight, nine years. You know, you buy it and you keep it for a long time. And frankly, you know, in two years, probably all you're going to be able to buy is flat screen TVs. I mean, an HD TV, certainly. I mean, there's going to come a point where you can't buy anything else. So if my TV just exploded tomorrow, I would... Lay out the money, absolutely, because it's an investment, and it's you're going to have to buy one eventually. But my thing is, there's nothing wrong with my television. My television how, works perfectly. How big is the screen? Uh, it is 32 inches. Oh, yeah, you should just hang out. The longer you hang out, the more TV your buck will buy. See, that's um, my other thing. Is like the longer I wait, the TV in the future, the TV of the future, the longer you wait with technology, it's cheaper, and you get more for your money. It's like a Moore's Law kind of a thing. Yeah, you, I would... I'm totally on board with you. I would drive that thing into the ground, and then, you know, two, three years out, when it finally fails, you'll be able to buy it for a song. I do recommend get the Samsung. The, the resolution is outstanding. And um, 
but you might want to put in external speakers. Like I had to go. The, the speakers suck. They sacrifice everything for the picture. So. Well, I got the righteous. I got the righteous seven point one surround sound. Oh, well then you're set. Yeah, just I, I'm with you. Hang in there. Just you know, tell her that you'll you'll get a much better TV for a lot less money three four years down the road. See, that's my. It's like with a computer. You know, is it the price of being like a, an early adopter? You know, that yeah. very first TiVo that came out was like fifty thousand dollars, and it held like an hour of programming. Whereas today, you can pick up a TiVo a couple hundred bucks has eighty hours and a DVD burner, which is the one I got yeah. now. You'll be able so. to get like a 78-inch, you know, for for under a thousand someday. And but in the meantime, if there's anybody out there that, that's looking for a TV, I got a 26-inch Samsung. Bye now. All right. Thanks so much. If you have anything to buy, sell, swap, <laughs> trade, or give away, call us right now. Seriously, <laughs> telephone trading talk. <laughs> That's right. Send us a postcard. Uh, look, I got a real good stump puller. Uh, so if anybody's got like a sycamore, they're having trouble getting out of the ground. I'd be willing to trade that uh, for if you got uh, 15 quarts of canola oil. That I could really use that uh, right about now. Here's Tim Riley. So anyway, <laughs> the Bikini Coffee Company opened today downtown. Uh, apparently, uh, the Bikini Cop, uh, Coffee Company uh, opened in the former Kaplan Sports World at 520 Southwest 5th. There are a couple of others around. And uh, Carl Click sent his gal down there to cover the grand opening this morning. It his, wasn't even open. His girl Friday? Yes. All right. So wait, so he sent her to cover and it wasn't even open? No. It was supposed to open at 6. He's just abusing his power now as best newscaster. I think so. Uh, wait, so it was supposed to open today but didn't or just wasn't open then? It wasn't open then. Yeah, where, is it, where is it located? It's at 520 Southwest 5th. 520 Southwest 5th. Scantily attired young ladies. Well, and who doesn't? Coffee. Uh, 520. And not overweight. Does it say that? Well, no. It, <laughs> I mean, it is Portland. Yeah. I mean, really, can you be sure? That, I'm trying to sell it. <laughs> are they an advertiser? They should be. They should be. Do we have any salespeople who are just hanging around here? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, isn't that almost certainly the case? <laughs> uh, uh, let's uh... send somebody down. <laughs> They always do seem to be there when I walk upstairs, uh, just whiling away the hours. Um, what was my point going to be? No, uh, Carl Click had, had sent his gal down there to cover the grand opening. They weren't open. Um, so 525, so that's what and fifth? That's like oak? oak? Yeah. Okay, so that's, uh, all right. Um, I'm getting all the sympathy pain over here. It's like my throat almost hurts. Uh, well, they should advertise because remember when Richie went to that... Uh, Whatever that drive-through place is, where the chicks with big cans uh, lean over and they show you their cakes while they give you coffee, and then he burned, then then he, burned he burned his face and his crotch. He because uh, he was she gives him the coffee and he's all like, "Thanks, sexy lady," and he like leans in and he sticks his nose right into this like boiling coffee and then dumps it right on his pants. Oh man! And then she gave him the wrong phone number. <laughs> and then she gave him like a fake phone number. Here's my number, sexy, and then he calls it and it's like you know it's like a dry cleaning place. Um. Oh, man, Tim, you weren't here. You didn't hear Richie yesterday. No, what happened? Oh, Jesus. What didn't happen? Um, so he called yesterday from Vegas. Uh, and by the way, his whore thing, people have been asked about the horse. Not till Thursday night. Whores tomorrow night. So think about this, by the way. Tomorrow night at 11 p.m., whatever you're doing, stop and realize that Richie at that point is having sex with prostitutes. Oh, come on. I'm just saying, you want to, you know. Just, you, you, I mean, I want everybody to sort of, you know, so we can all just sort of send our good wishes his way. Um, he doesn't need our help. No, he claims to uh, claims to be a man of stamina. Uh, so, anyway, so Richie calls yesterday from Vegas, unbelievably drunk. And we said it took forever to even figure out how many drinks he's had. He'd had. We said we said how many did you have? And he goes, I had five drinks in bed this morning. So he had five drinks in bed. You'll like this, Tim. He's covered in a rash of some kind. Oh no. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's covered in a rash. He hasn't showered in three days be- because their because their bathtub is full of beer, <laughs> and it's 106 degrees. So it's 106 degrees in Vegas. He's walking around in the sun, covered in cigarette smoke. He has a weird itchy rash. He's drunk all the time, and he hasn't showered in three days. Uh, those hookers are really in for quite an experience. They don't they don't really know what's coming up, but they are. Uh, it's going to be experience they will not soon forget, I think. So, uh, and you got to figure if they look at you and they see you're all rashed up, that's probably got to cause them a moment's hesitation. Yeah. Put on some all over like Devo suit or whatever. Jesus. Um, all right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, murder, uh, sir, or madam, as the case may be. Dance for us. Oh, uh, Greg, can't dance on the radio. Do it now. All right. We have to put the phone to the feet. Okay. Okay. All right, hold on. How can I help you, sir? Okay, since uh, you guys are all uh, world travelers, uh, any uh, suggestions on uh, what to do in uh, Denver when you got about five hours to kill? Are these things done while you're alive or dead? Uh, yep. Very much alive. Okay. Uh, Denver. Anybody? Denver? Never been there. How long do you have? Five hours. Well, uh, are you a comic book enthusiast? Uh, it's actually my wife, but uh, nah, not so much. All right. I was going to say, because Denver is the home of Mile High Comics, uh, which is a legendary comic outlet. Um... Denver, Denver. I've never been to Denver. I have no idea. Adam, you ever been to Denver? I have. Is there anything good to do there? Not a damn thing. Thanks for the help. Uh, <laughs> Adam's just so helpful today. Well, uh, where does Seamus live? Does Seamus live in Denver? You know, I think he does. I think he either lives in Denver or just outside it. You could listen to the Catfish and Mudflap show in the morning, sir. Uh, I'm not making that up. The biggest morning show in Denver, the Catfish and Mudflap show. My name is Hold on a second. What's that? I got something to do. What? Solve the John Benny Ramsey case. <laughs> if you'd like to swab for DNA while you're there. What's um, the reward on that anyway? Uh, the uh, let me. The reward is that we as a nation get to have our smugness about uh, about John and Patsy Ramsey back. Um, are you uh, are you going to be listening today? You're going to be listening for the next little while. Oh yes. All right. I'll tell you what. Uh, we'll do a little. Uh, We'll do a little mini phone-in segment here just before the top of the hour where people will tell you what to do in Denver. All right. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. All right, there you go. That's Matt. Um, let's see. Let me write this down. Let's do that here in just a few. Matt, Denver. So if you know what there is to do in Denver. All right. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. What's up, sir? Um, I work in Salem, and right down the street there's a bikini coffee. Now, is this and the same place? Yeah, I guess they're, they're expanding. And I went to it this morning for the first time, and it was like Skeletor giving me coffee. The girls <laughs> weigh like 90 pounds, and they're just disgusting. They're, uh, well, this is your assessment as a, as a patron. We, of course, are not saying that's the case. This is you you as a customer and as a free-thinking individual giving your thoughts. Uh, yeah, next, across the street, I'd like to open, like, you know, voluptuous Coffee, you know? It's uh, well the um, and, and of course this one downtown they had there was an article the other day in the paper about this bikini coffee was going to be open in downtown and they had a couple girls in the article but it was it was sort of vague about whether those were actual girls or if it was like for demonstration purpose like artist rendering of girls so but in your in your opinion a little too uh, a little too skinny for your taste a little a little too skinny but I will say the coffee it was probably the best I had a I had what's called a dirty chai. And it was probably the best dirty chai I've ever had. All right. So duly noted. So good coffee. Uh, the girls could stand about 10 pounds, though. They could, they could, yeah, feed themselves. I want to go get her some Carl's Jr. Can I just <laughs> and come back. And, instead of a tip, here's a sandwich. 
Uh, you, then you will you will appreciate this little fun fact, sir. I don't know if you saw the first Transformers movie uh, or the one that came out last year, anyway. Uh, yeah. But but Megan Fox, who is the girl uh, in the Transformers movie that Shia LaBeouf hooks up with, uh, uh-huh. there was an article about her the other day. Michael Bay told her that he wouldn't put her in the new Transformers film unless she gained weight. So there you go. I like it. He said, you're too skinny. Like he said, put on some weight or you're out of the movie. So that's good to know. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it looks like the uh, commissioners of uh, Washington, uh, Clark County have agreed to uh, cut the amphitheater rent by more than a half. In return for the rent, uh, the company that uh, runs the amphitheater... Ooh, the name is almost pornographic, so I'm not even going to attempt to... Wait, can I see it? Yeah, you can. Win. Wow. See? Give it a shot. No. 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 Oh, I have to... That does look like a pornographic name. A pornographic... How do you pronounce that? Wait, hold on. I'm not going to try it. Hold on. Let's see here. Oh, I think I know her direct dial now. CBS Radio Portland. Hi. Uh, Hi. Hey, Kristen. Yes. Hey, this is Rick. Is Susan Reynolds around? Um, I'm not sure. Hold on. I'll try and transfer you. Thank you. <laughs> Are we listening to couple? <laughs> what? Where the music was coming from. That's uh. <coughs> Hold on. Let's see. If... This is Susan no, Reynolds. No, no, not Anyway, uh, I don't know how to pro- I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm not going to even try. I'm going to spell it. Q U I N C U N X. I wouldn't even know how to say that. I do. It's it's not. I but I just don't even know how to pronounce it. You take. Quincunks. Kunks. Why would anybody Kunks. come up with a name like that? What does it mean? Is that like an Indian name or something? I don't know. It comes from an ancient uh, burial ground. <laughs> I'm not sure. All right. Well, in any event, so they're doing a thing that's well, they're, they're going to get half of what they were doing it before. Seven hundred to three hundred thousand dollars a year. All right. And uh, apparently, let's see, they're going to uh, build a removable or retractable wall. A quincunx is the arrangement of five units in the pattern corresponding to the five spot on dice, playing cards, or dominoes. Really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Says the CBS Radio News Department. That's just much. That's mad. Uh, all right, here's uh, Tim Riley at the ministry. Oh, do you have this thing about the, um, let's see, about the, the illegal dentist? <coughs> no. Okay, you take a moment, Tim, and perhaps have a sip of a beverage or so. Uh, uh, let's see, I will read a couple news stories uh, just to amuse the audience while you, uh, while you drink some tea. Uh, you know what might help that voice of yours? Because we don't have any What's ginger that? around right now. Uh, is Have you tried something... See, now I'm just being that guy, but I'm trying to help. Uh, something citrusy? Uh, in other words... I have some lemon. Something that is acidic. I believe lemon is acidic. Okay, yeah, because that's the thing about that ginger, man, is it's just it's it's almost like peppery, where you take it and it's almost like sort of burns just a little bit like a spice, uh, and it just, it just sort of clears your throat out. All right, let's see here. What do you want to hear about? Sex toy theft, D.B. Cooper, cheese making, or dentists? Well, they're all somewhat related, aren't they? I kind of uh, want to hear the D.B. Cooper. All right, let's do this. Right. So this is a follow-up to yesterday. yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a whole D.B. Cooper thing yesterday, which is just frustrating as always. And it's and the thing about D.B. The thing about D.B. Cooper is... Here's your five minutes you get on D.B. Cooper today. <laughs> just, I just want... I, I just want to be locked in some sort of a, a soundproof room and shot into space and isolated until they figure it out, and then they can wake me up. You know what I mean? It's like they keep bothering us with this D.B. Cooper news that never solves anything. 
which is why at a certain point, um, you know, when when uh, when Laura and I went to Scotland uh, last year, it, it was like forevermore. I, I'm just I don't ever need to watch any other Loch Ness stuff. And it's like not like I went to Loch Ness thinking I was going to see the Loch Ness monster. I know doesn't exist, but I went there and I went out on Loch Ness in a boat and I looked around and I you know and I saw that this is where the alleged Nessie sightings were and whatever. And I and I went there and I saw it because I from a kid was fascinated with the Loch Ness monster. I went there and I saw it and it's like. And it's like I can move on now. I could sort of checked off. You like learned I, that it wasn't there. Well, and I kind of went there and I saw it in person, this thing that obsessed me as a kid. And I kind of went, okay, I've been here. I've seen it. I'm not going to watch any. And I took it off my TiVo keywords. I'm not going to watch any more Loch Ness, not Loch Ness Monster. I just moved on. But that's the thing with D.B. Cooper. It's like I still find myself reading all of this crap that never tells us anything. And, and it never tells us anything in the most frustrating way possible. Exhibit A. Listen to this. This is, from, this is what that guy was talking about in the recap hour today. Dateline Ogden, Utah. We had a little bit of this yesterday, but there's the most frustrating phrase in here. Listen to See if you can spot the maddening phrase in this, in this story. Dateline Ogden. A lawyer who's writing a book about the D.B. Cooper investigation claims the legendary hijacker who vanished from a passenger jet with $200,000 in 1971 survived and resumed his life as a college instructor. Federal investigators are aware of the claim and are treating it like any of the other leads they've checked out over the last 36 and a half years. They are skeptical that the late William Gossett pulled off the heist, as many others have claimed to, but were found to be hoaxes. Now, listen to this. The Standard Examiner reports Sunday that Gossett told his sons and a few friends that he was the illustrious Cooper. Gossett died in 2003 at age 73. His son Greg still lives in Ogden, Utah, where he says his father told him on his 21st birthday, the son's 21st birthday, Father told him on his 26th birthday that he had hijacked the plane. And revealed two keys to a safety deposit box at a bank in Vancouver, British Columbia, where he said the money was stored. And then they never mention this again in the article. That's it? That's it. And, and the son says, he said I could never tell anybody until after he died. He died three years ago. No, five years ago. Why would you put in an article that the guy said, by the way, I'm D.B. Cooper. Here's some keys to a safety deposit box where all the money is. Why would you mention that in the article and then have no further mention of it anywhere else in the piece? Don't you think that people who are reading this article and who see the phrase revealed to his son two keys which opened a safety deposit How hard can it just be to go open the box and look mm -hmm. for the love of Christ? That's really random. I mean, Jesus, how hard is it to just go, you just go open the box, you look and you go, hmm, yes, there's $200,000, solved. Or to open the box and go, no, it's just dust and old copies of Feel and Stream, nothing. So it, it, it's like they put it there just to screw with us. Do you know what I mean? All right, well, in any event. So there you go, that's that. Let me read uh, one more here. You got cheese making, dentistry, or sex toys? Sex toys. <laughs> That's going to get sampled. Uh, let's see. Dateline Canton. Uh, let's see here. A Canton man was arrested last week for allegedly breaking into a woman's house and stealing a sex toy. According to warrants, 48-year-old Scott Gillis of Murray allegedly broke into the home off of Highway 110, wherever this is, and stole an adult... Toy, personal, entertainment device, 
personal entertainment. And one bottle of personal lubricant. There you go. <laughs> All right, here's Tim Riley. A lawmaker from Eugene is planning to sponsor a bill that will require all bicyclists to wear a helmet. Oregon's current helmet law only requires riders younger than 17 to wear one. The fine for riding without a helmet is $25. Several U.S. cities require adults to wear helmets already. So we'll find out what happens. A uh, teenager is living in a little tight playhouse. Uh, this uh, fellow's name is Aaron McLeod. He says it comes with challenges. There's no uh, there's no shower there. He's living in a little tank's playhouse for 30 days and 30 nights. He's complaining he's beginning to smell because he can't shower. And I don't understand the story. Why is he living? He's living where? In a playhouse. Why? It's part of a stunt. Oh, I see. All he right. never leaves the house. He's showing his little tank stay on a webcam. Hey, has um has anybody done that thing where a guy lived in a Walmart for a year, or like lived in a, lived in a, in a mall or something for a year? I was thinking that somebody ought to do that. There ought to be somebody who has to live, like you take a mall or, or you know, or a Walmart or like a Shopko, one of those huge, like all-encompassing department stores, and a guy just lives inside for an entire year. Maybe only I find that interesting. Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, all right, so we are now, uh, now is the time on the Rick Emerson Show, and we are looking for suggestions for what listener Matt should do while in Denver. Things to do in Denver while you're Matt. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. What should listener Matt be doing uh, when he goes to Denver? I'll just give you a little uh, a little tip. Is one, uh, you must go to the Casa Bonita restaurant. Uh, the food is barely edible. It's a rigging. Is everybody in the studio coughing but me? Except you. I vacuumed I the studio coughing. last night. I am. I, you know, okay, you look over there behind Sarah on the floor, you'll see the Roomba. Uh, the Roomba, which doesn't have a name at this I, I, I was just going to call it Roomba, but that seems dumb. Uh, so the Roomba came in here and cleaned this place for like an hour and a half last night. Uh, so it, it seems like we ought to be have a, a relatively smaller amount of dust. <coughs> that doesn't really seem to be working, though. Uh, anyway, he says the food is barely edible, but it's a surreal Z-list Disneyland featuring cliff divers. Oh, there was a whole South Park about that. There was a whole South Park where they get to go to Casa Bonita. Uh, he says the food is barely edible, but it's a surreal Z-list Disneyland featuring cliff divers. There was a whole South Park uh, about going to Casa Bonita. Uh, it, where Cartman, it's like Cartman can only take, or no, 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 like Kyle, it's Kyle's birthday, and he can only take one person, and he doesn't invite Cartman, in, he invites Butters, and so Cartman locks Butters up in a dungeon so that a, a guest list spot opens up so that Cartman gets invited, and he just gets in the doors, and then, like, the cops come and take him away from imprisoning Butters in a basement. There's, I think that if I'm mangling it, probably, but that's all, there was a whole South Park about going to Casa Bonita, and, um, and Cartman kept going, Casa Bonita, Casa Bonita, na 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 So, all right. It's uh, 503-733-2970, Butters in the Bomb Shelter. There you go. Um... Let's just now go to the phones. Things to do in Denver when you're Matt. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Rick. Uh, strangely, I've been actually waiting for quite some time to call you guys and tell you about this, and this is the perfect opportunity. Okay, sir. Denver Airport. If the guy's got only got five hours, uh, I assume that he's at the airport, there is the weirdest mural ever done in, in one of the wings of the airport. It's done by some really famous artist, and it's got just the creepiest pictures that you'll ever see. It's got, like, Nazi stormtroopers carrying swords and dead, like, 
children in little caskets, and but but then next to it there'll be like this really pretty wheat harvest going on, and you know, and all the people are happy. Okay, I'm and looking then, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It's completely bizarre. It's the weirdest thing I have ever seen, and it's like, why in the hell is this on like a piece of public, you know, property? Wait, I so mean, it's, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Okay, there's several of them here, so I'm trying to make sure I'm looking at the right one. Okay, here we go. Uh, child in a casket. Why would this be in a mural in an airport? So here's part oh of it. Oh my god. So <laughs> so here's part of the mural, and it's a dead child in a casket. Yeah, my wife actually uh, was there and took pictures of it and and brought it back. She's like, "What? What the hell is this?" Do you see? And, the, do you see the one with the casket? Yeah, with the girl clutching the flowers, all dead. Wow, it's very weird. I mean, and you can just kind of stand there and stare at it and find even creepier and creepier things. I'm here. looking. At the, the, the mural is broken up into all kinds of different sections. There's no one photograph apparently that can that can that can show the entire thing. Uh, but I'm looking here. There's the girl in the casket. You're right. There's like a weird Last Supper-y picnic thing. There's a tortoise. There's like one that looks like a bunch of weird eels or snakes or something. Mm-hmm. That is I'd like, freaky. I'd like somebody smart to look at that and tell me what it all means because I don't get it. Or to look at it and, and say, like, how is it that the people of Denver came to pay for this? Because, you know, that's a thing that, like, that the tax dollars went to. Right. Exactly. And that airport had so much scandal anyway because didn't it take them, like, 50 years to open that thing? Well, yeah, and you know, and then they had the machine that would complimentarily shred your bag. <laughs> when no, we're waiting to open it until the luggage destroying machine is fully operational. All right, that is freaky. Yeah, check that out while you're there, Matt. Uh, it'll, it's the stuff of nightmares. All right, thank you, sir. Bye. All right, there you go. Do you That's see the 15. Nazi guy wear, like holding a machine gun, wearing like a gas mask? No, let me see, and then we'll get some more Denver calls. And holding a big sword. Wow, that ain't right. Yeah, what the hell is up with that? All right. That's just Look that's dead children at his feet. That's really weird. That's just freaky. Uh, you know, airports are weird places anyway. Um, I think uh, when Chuck Palahniuk was here, uh, we were talking about his favorite places to write. And I think I didn't mention this at the time because I wanted to be like, we're exactly alike. But but he he has a thing that I also have, which is that fascination for places that are open 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And airports are much less fun than they used to be. You used to be able to just, um, I mean, up until you know, before 9-11, you, you used to be able to just go into an airport and you could just wander around, go up to the gates, hang out. Right? And I, my friend Todd and I bonded over that early on in our sort of friendship that we were both into places that were open 24 hours a day. Hospitals, you could just go and just sit there and it was just sort of weird. But airports are fascinating. Here's the thing. At the Salt Lake Airport, at the Salt Lake Airport, there is a hidden door in one of the walls. It's a whole door that you can only open with an electronic key. It's like a wood panel kind of wall, and if you have an electronic key, door opens, and then you can go inside, and there's a secret restaurant and bar in there that only, like, high rollers know about, and there's an electronic key that opens it. It's the weirdest That's thing. That's pretty cool. I love stuff like that. Uh, all right, we'll get more Denver suggestions here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Here, Tim, Jim, and the coop. What's up? Hey, I'm assuming, piggybacking on what the other guy said, uh, he's going to be spending most of his time in the airport. There is one bar where you can smoke cigarettes, and, like, the ventilation doesn't barely barely works. <laughs> Excellent. So the bartenders, you can't tell if they're 21 or 65, <laughs> and they all got that voice, like, what can I get you, darling? The, ce- <laughs> the ceiling tiles, the ceiling tiles, you can tell at one time were white, but they kind of more uh, look like, like, Garbage bag brown. They look like the inside of the bartender's lungs. 
Everything looks like an old catcher's mitt that got left out in the rain. <laughs> it's great. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right. There you go. Um, where was I the other day? It wasn't here. It was, uh, I think it must have been at um, McCarran Airport in Vegas. Um, or was it? It was San Diego. But, uh, but one of those airports where there's the smoking room. And the smoke, it, is, it was at McCarran Airport because there were slot machines inside. It was the smoking room because it's a non-smoking airport except for this one room. And there's this smoking room in the center of McCarran Airport. And it's, the walls are all glass. Uh, I guess because you want to be able to look in and watch Daddy, like, spend the rent money. So it's, it's this glass box in the middle of the hallway. So it's like this long-ass airport hallway. And in You're the talking middle, about the one in Vegas, right? Yeah, and there's this glass yeah. box. And as they smoke... The, the room just fills up with smoke, and it looks like the inside of an old flashbulb after you take a picture and the smoke swirls around inside. It's kind of cool looking. It uh, is. It's like right in the middle of the walkway, too. It's just totally. like a little glass enclosed. It's like, look at the, look at the bad people. And it's like all box. the sin at once. It's like smokers, and they're like gambling junkies as well, just compulsively pulling the levers. Mm. So, yeah, it's great. Maybe a cigarette would do you good, Tim. Yeah, I'd love a cigarette right now. Hi, <laughs> you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Things to do in Denver when you're Matt. Yeah. Two words. Boat drinks. Well, good reference, sir. All right, bye. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello? Hello, it's you, sir. Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, he had to go to Lakeside. What is Lakeside? Creepy, uh, like amusement park, and it's all rickety and stuff. He's got time. <laughs> and that's, what, that's what everybody wants to do they is go to a... wild chipmunk ride there that feels like you're going to fall off. A wild chipmunk ride that feels like you're going to fall off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you say it's rickety, do you feel like it's rickety just because it's a little older? Do you feel like it's rickety like it's about to kill you? Now, it's been there for like 100 years. All right, then. Okay. And uh, and there's some old stuff there. All right. Fair. There's a couple new things, but mostly it's just the old crap. And what is the, what is the name of the place? Lakeside. Lakeside. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. You bet. Uh, Rick, this guy says, bike or kayak along the Cherry Creek through downtown. Go to... Elchie's Amusement Park, Denver Zoo, Lakeside Amusement Park, and there you go. Uh, or have dinner at the Buckhorn Exchange. Uh, all right. Uh, if you wanted to be morbid, and it seems like almost all of these suggestions today are morbid, from stormtroopers and dead children to a thing that's going to kill you, um, if you wanted to be morbid, uh, and if you were interested in the history of radio, uh, you could, and I'm sure that this is online on one of those, like, creepy, like, you know, like where infamous things happened websites. Since you're going to be in Denver... Uh, if you wanted to sort of see a place where a little bit of morbid radio history happened, you could go by the home of Alan Berg, um, mm. who was a uh, talk show host, a uh, Jewish talk show host, who was gunned down in 1984 by uh, some neo-Nazis uh, from just north of where we live, actually, uh, from Medellin Falls. Uh, so he was uh, he worked for a radio station called KOA, uh, and a lot of others, but he was at KOA in Denver and then uh, got out of his uh, car one night and got the machine gun, so it's, which is a real... I mean, sort of a real before and after point. He is sort of a dividing line in the history of talk radio because he, it, it, forevermore, you would hear the name of Alan Berg. It, Alan Berg is sort of the Rebecca Schaefer of radio, and Rebecca Schaefer was that girl from My Sister Sam uh, that just answered her door one day, and there was a guy like, flowers, and then it wasn't so much flowers as it was shotgun, uh, and then just killed her. And that was the whole thing about privacy laws and celebrities. It all comes from Rebecca Schaefer being killed. Alan Berg is sort of that way uh, where... You know, you especially in a certain kind of talk radio, uh, you will hear his name thrown about a lot uh, because he was, uh, you know, anyway. So, uh, what are we doing here? Um, Seth, do we have more Denver stuff? Or do I have, okay, I've got this. Rick, 
Well, see, this is but this is you got Rick. Listener, listener, Matt must must check out um, Red Rocks, which I don't know if he'll have time. I don't know where that is compared to the rest of the city, though. Uh, and that's a thing that I've only ever seen, um, like on like on on TV or like on, on a DVD or something. Like on Tesh. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, so I've never actually seen that. Uh, how about this? Um, oh, here's a website discussing the elements of the Denver mural. Fantastic. Um, we have this about Denver. Um, now, see, but these are all things that take more time, like suggesting you go to a baseball game and whatnot. So I think it's only going to have like the five hours. So that the the the, the mural sounds uh, like that in and of itself is enough to sort of warp you for your whole trip. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hello. <laughs> hey, uh, there's a guy that uh, moved into a mall he, uh, while they were building it. He found some kind of a secret room, and uh, he was living there for over a year. I, and they, uh, I they think finally I... found him. He was hauling a couch in or something. <laughs> Security guards found him or something. He was like under the stairs or like an escalator or something, right? He was, right. It was like a little, yeah, it was like a little electrical room almost or like a janitor room or something. And then, yeah, and he just secretly built a little apartment. I think I read some article about that somewhere. Yeah, well, he wrote a book. Oh, really? Yeah, I was going to see if I could find it, and I'll send it over to you. <laughs> Fantastic. Maybe I'll check Powell's books at Cedar Hills Crossing for that book. Yeah, um, great, great big scam, though. I, I mean, like because it. I just I have such a weird fetish for malls uh, anyway. Uh, but, uh, it, but, yeah, he just, and they showed some snapshots of this of this like little apartment he built in the mall. And as you said, he only got nailed. Uh, it was like that. It was like in the 80s when you would use that secret hiding space while playing the original version of the arcade Pac-Man game. And there was that place you could hide where the ghost would never find you unless they saw you going in. It's exactly like that. And he got, yeah, and he was like, he was like taking a hide bed or something. And then the guard's like, hey there, hey, hey there, boy, oh, what are you doing? So. Well, he could, he'd go out sneaking around the mall at night after it closed. Oh, you know, that's so and cool. Around and <laughs> See, that's cool. And it's like, that's the thing where it's like. It's like how you'll read those books about Kevin Mitnick and those guys, those hackers, and especially in the late 80s, how they, they would hack into these systems, and they wouldn't even really do anything. They wouldn't steal anything. They wouldn't break anything. They just liked to hack into computer systems at night and just sort of browse around and see what was there, just walking around, you might say. And yeah, that was he, this he guy. He down in the TV, uh, watching TVs and stuff in the electronics room and uh, all that stuff. So. I see, <laughs> and there must be a certain kind of mindset it finds that appealing because the idea of living inside a mall or anything like that is just fascinating to me. If I could do that and get away with it, I would absolutely do that. So I gotta get CBS. We should get CBS to strike some sort of a some sort of a massive endorsement deal uh, with one of the malls uh, where we broadcast from there. But then I also just live there for a year. I think so. You're onto it. I like I like the way I think. All right, thank you, sir. <laughs> okay, bye. There you go. There's that guy. Um, somebody. Else. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, things to do in Denver when you're mad. The Coors Brewery tour. Oh, that completely would be cool. because the Coors Brewery is right there. Uh, yeah, you should absolutely, Matt. You should absolutely be doing that. That's How a great idea. How long is going to be there for? Like six hours. Okay, that's enough to tour a brewery. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. It's uh, the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, let's do one more here, and then we'll have more from Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Good day, Rick. What's up? Hey, by the way, I uh, know we wouldn't do, be able to do the Coors Brewery because to get from anywhere like in the airport to Golden, Colorado, where Coors Brewery is, is about a three-hour drive. Ah, well, maybe next time. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, a uh, couple things. Yes, one, definitely, um, it's Elitch Gardens, by the way. Used to work there when I was a kid. <laughs> and what what is what is that? E- Elitch Gardens is the much classier version of Lakeside. It's a, it's a new, newer amusement park. It used to be a... An old dance hall that they turned into a amusement park, and then they tore it down, moved it to a new location. So it's like a Six Flags 
type of amusement park. It's a it's a less killy version. Of, yeah, because yeah, Lakeside Amusement Park. Actually, there was a, a, a broadcaster out there named Starry Ellen, and his son was at Lakeside riding on the roller coaster there. It did the idiot thing of standing up oh. and was decapitated on wow. that roller coaster. You'd think that yeah. just sort of your sense of self-preservation would tell you, don't stand up. Yeah, well, again, you're talking the mentality of kids getting on roller coasters and drinking and back then and, you know, well, that is moronic. True. The other thing is that you were talking about um, you know, the 888 thing and you were going to put the Independence Day music in the background. Yes, sir. I think you should actually, what you should do is rewrite the speech. So you could start off, in less than an hour, Portland will be inundated by the, you know, and, and actually do the actual, you know, three-minute speech from Independence Day, but to suit the, the occasion. There's a thought. I might have to, I mean, I, I might have to lose the, as much as it pains me, the less than an hour thing, though, because what, it's all about context. How could we possibly make that in less than an hour phrase uh, work for us? I have to think on it, I guess. In less than... In less than a minute. I mean, you know, you just change it. <laughs> we will in less than an hour, the show will be over for the day, and, you know, like you could say how it, it'll sadly be over for the day, but tomorrow they could tune in. Or... There's that. There's the, as he said, there's the in less than, in less than two minutes. Uh, we will resume our broadcast of the, you know, the greatest show, blah, 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 something like that. I do like the idea of just going full bore and just making it the Bill Pullman speech, though. And one, one last thing, Rick? Yes, sir. Oh, damn. Oh, it's been like a week since we've had that. Mm -hmm. Oh, damn you, sir. All right. Uh, let's see. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. An 88-year-old World War II veteran bought up an armed robber, broke into his home, and demanded money. Art Awasaki refused to give the robber anything. The two struggled until the masked man gave up and ran away. Awasaki uh, is one of the veterans who was offered uh, honor during a recent celebration of the 60th anniversary of the U.S. Uh, armed forces in World War II. You know, all you kids are doing that text mailing a little bit too much. It can become addicting. Email etiquette queen Cherie Bliss says, too many people are just bad writers, and that's a bad thing. Even though you send a message that you didn't mean to sound sarcastic or snide, just because of the way you structured your sentence or the words that you chose, it can be received that way. They can't hear your tone. They can't see you. She says, shape up. And that would be okay if most people were great writers and had great language arts and had a real flair for putting thoughts and feelings across in the emails, but that doesn't often happen. Did she really have to know they can't see you? Yes. Is that really necessary? Doesn't that seem a little uh, redundant uh, at this point? Mm -hmm. All right, well, whatever. Uh, so this is what, because of the texting and the, the hey, hey? Yeah. All right. I, I should know, by the way, um, uh, how do I put this? Um, I should say that, that we have noticed any number of people uh, who work here at CBS Radio Portland, uh, who have this propensity for hitting reply all on the email and then filling their responses on, by the way, a thing that you did not need to reply to all people about, filling their responses with things like OMG, LOL, 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 and then a million exclamation marks, all of it done in all caps. And whatever you do, make sure that you CC the general manager and like all of the regional supervisors about that, too. Because that makes you look especially smart. There's so many of those that happen like yes. every day. Yes, yes, there are. So, anyway, here's Tim Riley. An Ohio court set more than a half million dollars bond for a man accused of sexually abusing a corpse in a morgue. Wow, is this a corpse watch? I suppose it is. All right, here's your corpse watch. Uh, that sort of sprung on me. Here's your corpse watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. I'm digging up bones. I'm digging up bones. Human things that's better left. 
It's Tim Riley with your Corpse Watch. So this Ohio fellow sexually abuses a corpse in a morgue, and his boss, of course, is very upset. Uh, Hamilton County Coroner Odell Owens says this type of behavior is not going to go on under his watch since this man has been arrested. Again, I want to assure the public that those type of activities do not exist in this office. We have they initiated a lot of security and cameras and protocols that I don't think that can happen. Wait, I guess he didn't follow protocol. Wait, hold up, but is this the guy who runs the morgue where it just happened? Yes. So they do happen in that office. Maybe not actually in the office. Might be more like on the floor, you know, or like like a hallway or something. Uh, so Coroner uh, Odell Owen uh, reacts to the charges that the former morgue employee had sex with the body. I nearly fell to the ground. I mean, that's the worst thing. If you, if you ask what's the worst thing that can happen in a coroner's office would be for someone to exhibit that kind of behavior. Yes. That is just absolutely horrific. Wow. I guess we can all agree on that. I suppose we can. Uh, the office is uh, trying to figure out uh, whether there are, are any uh, similar incidents that happened during uh, Douglas's 16 years of working at that morgue. Oh. Between that time period, I think it's about 29 rape kits that we have that are that we would go back and look and see what are the results, have they been tested, and try to match up against his DNA. Wait, uh, okay. Well, all right. It seems like I had some fact about that morgue. Hold on a second. Let me see here. Uh, oh, here we go. So is this, um, is this, this is Cincinnati, Ohio, right? Uh, I believe so. Okay, now this is what somebody says. I don't know if this is true. This is what a, uh, this is what somebody's saying. Uh, Douglas was indicted Monday for gross abuse of a corpse. He's accused of defiling the body of murder victim Karen Range in the morgue where Douglas worked as an attendant <sighs> hours after she'd been uh, hours after she'd been brought there and then but somebody notes here I don't know if this is true I am simply reading what someone notes uh, in the story this is the same morgue that let a professional photographer pose with bodies using props etc a few years ago plus they are presently being sued for harvesting body parts without consent so that is uh, what someone online claims to be the case. Ah. Uh. The morgue, the merrier. Uh, the there's your you know. the, the morgue. You know. <laughs> Bam! That's so much better than my joke. Just picturing the star. I'm gonna recycle that joke later. Genius. Uh, Rick, if man has time, tell him to go check at the Denver Museum of Science and Nature, specifically the Paleontology Lab, where they have scientists cleaning the dinosaur bones and assembling them for display. Uh, the reason being is that there are often field trips of homeschooled children whose group leaders answer to the question of what scientists are doing is creating plaster bones to put in the ground for other paleontologists to find. Ah, people are endlessly amusing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Yes. Uh, I had two things. Quick one about Denver. Yes. Do leave and go to Colorado Springs. And the uh, second was a uh, secret restaurant in Disneyland it's called Club 33. Club. Really, really hard to get in there. It's in Narland Square. Yeah, Club 33. It's um. What is it? It's like a secret door. It's a well. It's a, you can see the door. It's on Main Street. I forget what it's between, but it's Club 33, and it was Walt Disney's private restaurant where he would sort of take his pals and his whatever. You can see photos of it, and um, I think Aaron and Jen, Aaron and Jen are like Disney freaks. They know everything there is to know about Disney. And they told me that they actually now they do allow citizens to eat there, but I think you have to have a membership, and there's only so many people at any given – like you have to wait for somebody to die, basically. Yeah, it's really and, hard. And, then you, and even then you have to pay like ten grand or something to eat there. Um, 
Uh, but it was a secret, private establishment. By the way, the only place, except for that Treasure Island thing or whatever on Disney where they sell alcohol, a secret restaurant that is not on the park maps. Nobody ever talks about it. And Walt Disney used it for private functions. Also, he had he had the hell bugged out of that room so that he could monitor what all of his friends were saying about him when he wasn't there. Oh, what a um, crazy person. Yeah, you can see photos of it online. There's also a great book called... Uh, Mouse Tales, a behind-the-ears look at Disneyland by a guy whose name escapes me, where he talks a lot about about uh, Club 33. Oh, yeah, and speaking of standing up on roller coasters, I, I don't know if the site's oh. up anymore, but they used to have a Death at Disneyland website. It was pretty cool. Yeah, Disney uh, takes a pretty dim view of websites like that, yeah. so I don't think those things stay up for very long. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you, sir. See ya. Uh, this email says, hey, is Tim going to be your next Corpse Watch? He sounds awful. What's he got? I, You know, we admire you for playing for the, through the pain. Yeah, Tim. he is playing through the pain. You're a game day player like the men of old. Well, I just found out that uh, the sheriff over in uh, Cincinnati wants to change the law because if you have sex with the corpse now, you only get 12 months. So now they want to push it up to five years. All right. Well, it seems like five years isn't going to cure that either. You know what I mean? Like, really, whatever it is in your head that says... Hey, look at that hot corpse over there. Uh, if that, I mean, if there's anything in your head saying that, in, in twelve like months, five, five, five minutes will get you five years. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> um, I just there's nothing. There's no rehabilitation for that. I mean, there's what? What could you possibly? How? I mean, if you're doing that, you're clearly just broken enough that nothing... I mean, you ought to just be taken out back, you know, and just dealt with appropriately. I mean, I hate to say that, but there's just... There's, 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 it's not like you're just doing that because there's nothing on television, you know what I mean? And, like, the vending machine isn't working. Well, I don't know. I uh, I guess we could uh, we could play cards or uh, we could... Uh, I don't know. You want to play 20 questions? What about that blonde? Is she still in locker number 15? I mean, there's just nothing. There's no, there's no fixing you. You 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 need to be removed. That's it, man. Uh, here's Tim Riley. So uh, both the Republican Senator Bob Bennett of Utah and Democratic Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon want to get to work on the Healthy Americans Act. They said it's... Uh, Have you seen Bob Bennett? No, I haven't. Bob Bennett weighs more than a planet. The idea that Bob Bennett is from the Healthy, the healthy Americans Act... Yes. Bob Bennett is a per. He has his own gravitational. There, he is. He, Deimos and Phobos are doing elliptical uh, orbits around him. It, it is a wrinkle upon wrinkle. Yes, it's like a, it's like a big human sharp A. Uh, so uh, Bennett says it's time for national health care reform. A third of the amount of money we spend in this country on health care need not be spent. A third of the amount of money adds up to more than the total defense budget. If we do this right, we could save as much as the total defense budget. I think we need to allocate part of the Healthy Americans budget just to Tim Riley today. Would Will you... someone please bring Tim Ginger? Seriously, Ginger? No. <laughs> That's, you haven't played that in forever. No, I haven't. Uh, so, A, whatever he was just saying isn't going to work. Uh, and B, uh, all I could think about when you're playing that soundbite is how much he sounds like the I am not a homosexual voice. All right. Uh, meanwhile, a guy is driving through downtown Miami in a minivan with a 30-foot-long electric pole attached to the roof. Uh, Ilio Valaro told police he found the pole lying on the side of the road, decided to pick it up, and tried to sell the pole to a metal recycling operation for several hundred dollars. This is where? Hey, if I'm doing this to recycle, everybody else should damn do it. They, they should have done it three months ago. Well, who can argue with that? Where is this, Tim? Oh, Miami. You didn't.
didn't even get out of the starting gate there. No, you were I, not even off the blocks. I was looking at all these pictures of that, and I'm kind of obsessed with that Club 33 thing. I'm looking yeah. at all the pictures of it, and that weird little doorway, it's just a plain white unmarked yep. door with just a little 33 on it. Yes, indeed. That's weird. It's one of those things that nobody really knew about until the advent of the Internet, and now kind of everybody with a broadband connection can, can learn about it. It was. It, it's weird, though, because it just existed forever. It's been there since the park opened. Uh, and really, again, until the Internet, nobody ever really knew about it because... You know, it's, uh, there were not a lot of books written about Disneyland, and it was absolutely secret. Uh, I do believe on hold here we have someone who has been to Club 33. Should we talk to him now? Okay, now here's the thing. Yeah, is we yeah. got Steve Kastenbaum calling in like, what time is it? Uh, 1.14. All right. Well, hold on a second. got to finish this cup of coffee before we do anything. satisfying. Uh, yeah, there's a five-year waiting list, you just say, to get in? Okay, so there's a five-year waiting list. Uh, to get in, you need to fill out an application and a $5,000 deposit and pass the screening. Then it costs you $3,000 to stay a member. Membership cannot be passed uh, to family members. Yeah, I mean, you basically, uh, again, it's not to be more of it, but somebody has to you have to wait for somebody to keel over. It's like trying to move from the card table in the garage up to the main dining uh, place at your family's Thanksgiving dinners. You've got to wait for somebody to cack it. Uh, before you can get in. So uh, it's cool, though. I mean, I, I don't know if it's changed a lot since the photos I saw, uh, but this book I had of the uh, show, the inside of it is sort of, uh, it's very gripping. Um, well, Tim, let's do this. Let's, uh, why don't we uh, do a couple more here, and then we're going to be talking to Steve Cash, and we'll let you go sort of uh, tend to your voice. All right. Let's do a religious nutcase watch. Here's your religious nutcase watch, uh, and then we'll get these calls about the Club 32. Uh, here's your religious nutcase watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This is an update of the story you originally gave me. And it comes to us from Mobile, Alabama. Preacher Anthony Hopkins is charged with murder, rape, sodomy after police found the body of a woman in the freezer of his home in Mobile, Alabama. Hopkins was leading a church revival when the body was found. Police told the uh, newspaper there they learned about the body during an interview with Hopkins' homeless 19-year-old daughter. They also found out Hopkins had been allegedly sexually abusing the daughter. The police chief said it could be days before they can officially identify the woman in the freezer, but they are confident the body is that of Hopkins' wife, Arletha Hopkins. The body looked like it had been in the freezer for quite some time. Authorities told the newspaper nobody remembers hearing about Hopkins' wife for more than three years, but she was never reported missing. Do we have more, or is this the, the, the lone that is religious nutcase watch? Oh, I think we have one I do more. Have two. That's yeah. correct, I do. A woman claims she has found Jesus. A uh, Missouri woman says she has uh, found Jesus in a bag of Cheetos. <laughs> well, that's where he's been this whole time. Well, we wonder why he... Hi there! <laughs> Aren't you the cutest little cheesy savior? We wonder why he hadn't come back. Uh, Karen Ramey opened up the bag of Cheetos. She felt something unusual and checked it out. 
It was, it was the spirit of the Lord. Oh, does this Cheeto taste like Jesus to you? It looks like it. I don't know. It's maybe it's just me. I yeah, I got kind of a cold, so I it can't is, tell. Jesus on the cross. Her husband calls it Jesus. A tasty cross. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. That's like a cheese of the month club. A local minister said there's nothing uh, special about the Cheeto, but thinks a good could come of it. Now with the great taste of Jesus. She doesn't want to sell the Cheeto because it's bringing joy into her home. <laughs> because she's stupid. <laughs> Is that the not, extent not, of a... not even a can of Pringles could brighten up? <laughs> oh my God, this doesn't point. even look like Jesus. How would you... <laughs> you feel gypped. This Cheeto doesn't look anything like the Savior. I mean, but really, there's no, nothing. No, it looks like it looks like Rocky Balboa. It does. That's what I see. Bam. That's why we get paid to do this. That'd be. It or looks like turned it sideways. It looks like the space shuttle. Exactly. Or uh, the other way. Or a slingshot. It could be a slingshot. Doesn't look anything like Jesus. All right. Or it I, looks like a severed finger if you turned it upside down. Totally. Uh, or a rocket on the launching pad. It all depends on your perspective. I reject that this Cheeto looks anything like Jesus Christ. Well, right. It's bringing joy to real life. Well, it takes a little to make rubes happy. There's your religious nutcase watch. Have you seen Jesus? I don't know. Have you looked inside a Frito bag? Uh, all right. What have we uh, What have we got here? Okay, we got uh, some calls to get to. I think at some point we're going to be talking to Steve Kastenbaum, but I know things are a little sketchy because he's in Havana and everything, so that can be a little weird. Um, well, let's talk to Quentin. Quentin, so have you been to uh, Club 33 at Disneyland? Yes, I have. I, uh, I had a chance to do it with my family. It was pretty amazing. Please to tell us everything. Leave nothing everything, out. Everything, everything. <laughs> all right. So um, you can also get a membership. Um, as a business, and I, uh, the company my mom works for, she got this membership, and we went in. Um, you go into this door that's right next to um, the exit for um, Pirates of the Caribbean, and um, you ring a little bell, and a, a lady's voice comes on and asks for your password for the day. That is so and cool. And they um, let you up, and there's a glass elevator that you ride up to the second floor in because we're too lazy to ride up to walk up ten stairs or sure. something. Um, You're an American. Exactly. You get up there, and um, you're the only people there, and the entire staff is there to to serve you. And there's a a buffet that's about three tables long, full of um, lobster and and salmon and whatever you can imagine. Um, and anything you they don't have, they'll get for you. Here's a dumb uh, question: Is the food really good? Actually, no. <laughs> I mean, parts of it were parts of it were amazing, and yeah, the dessert was good. The rest of it, eh, it was. It was pretty much Disney food. Did they let you take any pictures or anything? You know, they they do. Um, but I I was uh, I was dumb enough to uh, open up the back of my camera. This is back before digital photos, ah. so they're all exposed. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Uh, but uh, so now it, you went wait because your mom worked for a business or something where that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, businesses can pay about I think it's twenty thousand dollars a year for a membership, basically to give to. You know, good employees or people they want to win over. Seriously, the, the next time we have any sort of renegotiation here, I'm demanding that despite our contracts, they buy us a membership at Club 33. Seriously. The, the really creepy thing is you're sitting right above um, Disneyland on the second floor, and you can watch all these these other people down there eating their snow cones and their Now, can, can you see – you can see down from Club 33 onto Disneyland. Can, can yep. From down on Main Street, can you see into Club 33? 
see the windows. I don't think you could really see in. You'd see, you know. But you can see that it's there. Yeah, you would know it's there. It just looks like the the, that's the New Orleans Square. I mean, it, it's it's so well camouflaged that unless you knew what to look for, you wouldn't really. That is so righteous. Excellent. It's pretty incredible. Very cool. Thank you, my uh, friend. We're all jealous of you. Thank you. Thank you. That's Quentin. Excellent. All right, ladies and gentlemen, live from the island nation of Hubert. Uh, let us welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Cena Radio correspondent and man of Havana, uh, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. Good to speak with you again. How are you, sir? How's life? How are things in, uh, it's not even the People's Republic. It's just a, is, uh, it's the, uh, it's a whatever. It's a thing. Here's a dumb question. What is the actual official governmental structure there? In other words, it's not a, it's not a republic. It's not a whatever. Like, what, technically speaking, what kind of government do they now have in Cuba? It's a, they identify themselves as a socialist government. A socialist government. Uh, and so this, yeah. it has now been, it's been a while uh, for, since Raul Castro came to the world. When did he sort of take over there? Oh, it's been a while. I mean, um, officially about a year ago, but he was, you know, in charge even longer than, not, not, I mean, officially a few months ago, rather. But uh, he was in charge, uh, you know, f for a long time, you know, behind the scenes because uh, Fidel... Uh, you know, had been ill. He hadn't been seen in public for a long time. And, you know, it was generally accepted that Raul was uh, slowly taking over. And uh, officially he took over uh, uh, several months ago. Not a, not a full year, but, but months ago. So we're heading towards a general election here uh, in the United States. And so I know you've been sort of talking to folks there about what they think about, about the upcoming American election and what they think is at stake. And so my first question is, how much do they even know about the upcoming elections in America, and from where do they get that info? You know, it's interesting because there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, life here in Cuba for Cubans, and there is a lot of information that comes in from the United States. Yes, the government controls uh, the, the media, the mainstream media on, t on television and whatnot, and the, the news that they get about the U.S. is, is filtered through that. But, uh, you know, it comes in in many other ways. It comes in uh, from relatives who live in places like Miami. They have contact uh, with their family. You know, their phone lines go back and forth. And, you know, it's really interesting once you get here to realize how many misconceptions you can have about Cuba if you live in the United States. It's, it's not this uh, place where, you know, everybody's watching your move every moment you're around. I, although for today it was actually kind of interesting, Rick. For the first time, uh, a police officer asked to see my press credential, mm -hmm. and all I was doing was just interviewing some woman in front of her house. But he just wanted to see my ID and make sure I was uh, here uh, accredited and legally. <laughs> and so what about, uh, this is a silly question maybe, but what about Internet access there? Do they have, can they get online? Because you like how China is really cracking down on the Internet access, especially during the Olympics. What Can you get on, on the web when you're in Cuba? It's not, it's not that you can't get on the web. Uh, you, you can, but they're very limited. Uh, it's very limited as far as access goes for everyday Cubans. Uh, you know, very, very few people can afford to own a computer here. Maybe if you're lucky, you've got a computer, uh, a personal computer, uh, because a relative from Florida brought it over on, on one of the uh, approved visits that you can take if you have relatives here uh, once every three years. But even if you have a computer to get the Internet in your house, is an extremely hard thing to do. There are some licensed uh, internet uh, 
I, you could sort of call them internet cafes. They're not really cafe, you know, internet cafes in the way that we think of them. But uh, you know, you have to remember that uh, the gov- the government here is the sole employer in most industries. And as a result, when you're in an internet cafe, you know, the the person working at the store is in fact a you know a government employee. So you know, I would imagine in a situation like that, you, you take great care in what you do while you're on the internet. But uh, with that said, there is a lot of information that comes in uh, from, from mostly from the family connections in, in the United States and in other countries. A lot of uh, a lot of Cubans uh, also wind up in Spain and they get information through there. It's it's not what what a lot of people think. You don't come down here and all of a sudden feel like you're in sort of sort of dictatorship police state. Right. It's, it's quite the contrary. And yeah. So, you know, you got uh, Fidel, certainly, who outlasted, I think, what, nine different U.S. presidents, something like that? Uh, and so probably, but every president, it seems like, has come into office and has said at some point, like, well, look, and we're finally going to free the people of Cuba. We're going to kind of straighten things out. And then, of course, it never happens. And, you know, and Fidel just outlasted everybody, largely because of his support from the Soviet Union uh, for a long time. So, are the people in Cuba, do they get apprehensive every time a new president is about to be elected, like like this is finally going to, like something's going to get real rattled this time? I think this is the first time that, uh, according to the Cubans that I speak to on the street, that they actually really do believe there's a possibility for change. Uh, they, they, they have never been more disappointed than when George Bush took office, uh, the current president, not his father, because he talked about reviewing U.S.-Cuban relations and policy before he took office while he was on the campaign trail. But in fact, as far as uh, the Cubans are concerned, he's been the worst president yet for Cuba. He's, uh, you know, got, uh, he, he's, his policy has been an even more hardline conservative policy towards Cuba. And so the, the belief here generally is that Barack Obama would be good for Cubans here. At the, at the very least, there is a, a palpable hope that at some point there might be a lifting of the travel restrictions. Nobody is expecting you know, an immediate lift to the embargo. Everybody knows that that's going to be in place for a long time to come. But the travel restrictions are very much hated because it keeps families separated, uh, and, and visits are only allowed in, uh, once every three years on the, uh, if you're coming from the U.S., the U.S. issues travel visas to Cubans about 20,000 a year, but you have to go through a, a lot of scrutiny before the U.S. actually approves your visa right. to come to the United States. And, and, and Cubans are, you know, are in the Cuban government, you know, isn't exactly, you know, open-minded about who gets to go, you know. So it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting situation. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about was the, the, the incredible blossoming tourism industry here. Uh, and, and I know Americans would love to come down here. And what's interesting now is because Raul Castro uh, has taken over, there's been a huge increase in tourism from all over the world here, from the nations where people can come. In fact, I met people from Belgium today, from England, from uh, Spain, from all over. And they all said they wanted to come as soon as possible because Fidel Castro is no longer in charge. And they want to see Cuba this way before right. things change. And, and they believe that there will be a massive influx of American interest here. And what the things that are special about Cuba, they're afraid, will disappear. All right. Uh, I know you're very busy. So before we wrap it up here, I, I have to ask, I know you're there and you're, you're on the clock and you're there covering this in a journalistic sense. Have you had a tasty Cuban beverage or three? Oh, uh, well, do you, do you consider a mojito to be tasty? Sarah? <laughs> Very much. That's so. a big yes. 
Yes, that's a big yes. I had a mojito. Uh, a, a daiquiri at the bar where Hemingway used to hang out. That, uh, that is so uh, cool. La, La Florida. Yeah, well, there's a huge interest in Ernest Hemingway here. And there's sort of the Ernest Hemingway tourist trail. Uh, and every place that Ernest Hemingway used to frequent and talk about all the time is very well preserved. They're some of the best preserved places. So Hemingway used to have a, a, a saying here when he lived in Havana. He used to say, in the morning I have my daiquiris at La Florida, and in the afternoon I have my mojitos at Bogalito. So you know, as a journalist, I had to of go course. to both and well, investigate. No, in the interest of uh, in the interest of objective reporting, you had to sort of uh, you know you had to see it all firsthand. Yes, and I had to see if he had it right. You know. <laughs> Excellent. All right, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day. We will talk to you very soon. All right. Speak to you tomorrow. Bye. Thank you. There you go. Live from Havana, Cuba. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. I love this show. Uh, Rick. Here's, let's see. Let's see what these people are. And then I need to get some coffee. Here's somebody who has a clarification about the Corpse Watch. Somebody who knows of another secret restaurant in Disneyland. And this email, which says, "Rick, about 20 years ago, I ate at Club 33. I was a buyer for a major grocery chain in L.A. And I believe it was Nabisco who invited us. There was also another door that we were told was Michael Jackson's private dining club. Oh, that's so cool. All right, let's uh, get. Let's see. What line am I looking at here? Get this, then we'll break. Uh, we'll come back. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, we'll do the top five Barry Manilow songs of all time. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else? We're going to do the sound clip inventory. Um, oh, I should play some of this Paul Stanley audio, too. That's just, I forget exactly how Adam long. I'm so excited to hear that. Oh, because it's great. I mean, you know I love Paul Stanley. But at the same time, I recognize that Paul Stanley is fundamentally like, like retarded in some ways. And this is, it is, okay, I don't know how long, but it's 70 different tracks. Uh, and it's all, well, let me just play just the tiniest little. Walrus! Toronto! You feel good! <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, then, listen. You know, we may be under clear blue skies, but you know, it's getting a little cool out tonight, but that ain't going to stop us, because if we try hard enough, we're going to get this place. I said we're going to get this place. Yeah, oh, 70 cuts of that. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, hi, Rick, this is Russ. Uh, I don't know if this is a, a secret restaurant or not, but it's very, very, very well uh, little known. It's called the Blue Bayou Restaurant, and you can actually see it when you're on the Pirates of the Caribbean off, off, off to the right-hand side for a brief moment, and the entrance to it is on the back side of the entrance to the Pirates of the Caribbean. My wife and I have always wanted to eat there, but it's very expensive. Well, see, go ahead. But I was going to say, I don't know if anybody knew about that one, but it's, you can just briefly catch a glimpse of it as you're cruising through the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I'm not sure exactly what area, but if you look up to the right, it's kind of up and you're kind of elevated in an area. But like I say, we've always wanted to eat there, but it's very expensive. See, I love, and Sarah has heard me go on about this thousands and thousands and thousands of times, but just things that are hidden just out of sight, either literally or figuratively. That's why I have such a fixation on ghost writing. Uh, well, you, then, you'll, then you know. you'll love this also. Also at Disneyland, and i got a Disneyland book that's got a lot of this stuff in it. It's really kind of neat. On the side of the Cinderella Castle, if you go around to the right-hand side as you're approaching the castle, there's uh -huh. a walkway to the right. Uh -huh. There are seven statues of, or eight statues, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, that were delivered anonymously to Disneyland back in the 60s from Italy. They have no idea where they came from. 
and they're all scale models of the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That is so cool. Hmm. The, down, the, the downside was when they made them, they forgot to make Snow White bigger than the other ones, so they're all the same size. <laughs> so what they did was they used the old forced perspective method of uh, putting her up high yeah. and them down low to make her look bigger. That is so, and they're all made out of white alabaster. They're absolutely beautiful down there. And they just were delivered anonymously. They have no idea where they came from. They came from Italy, and it was anonymous. They have no idea. They, they were delivered back in the 60s, and they made a special, a special place for them also. That is so And cool. also, have you ever heard the uh, telegraph ticker at the uh, – if you're on the train, mm-hmm. when you go through the train station, there's a telegraph ticker going off, and that's a message. It's an actual message. And it's something, I can't remember exactly the wording of it, but it was something that, you know, it's uh, basically saying, uh, for all who come, uh, you are welcome, something like that. It's a, it's an actual message. Like a message in Morse code or something. Exactly. So uh, this, this book I got is really fascinating. Very it tells cool. all that stuff. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right, excellent. Yeah, I, I dig stuff like that so much. Just little hidden stuff that maybe you just, you wouldn't really know it's there unless you know to look for it. Mm-hmm. Uh all right, excellent, fantastic. Uh, we can take a break. You need caffeine, correct? I do. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side uh, with a newly caffeinated Sarah Dillon. We'll talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, more from Paul Stanley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll do the top five Barry Manilow songs. More from Tim Riley uh, and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Here's Weedus. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Oh, guess what I have over here. Let's see. Do you recognize this? You will. Is it the independent scene, is it? Yes, it is. This is that whole sequence where they're, like, gathering at the airfield or whatever. and In less than an hour. And Robert Lowe, she's doing the, Mr. President, are you ready to talk? Or whatever. It really is a pretty great score, actually. All right. And I think this is where he's stepping up. And... No, hello? Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, here in a few, we'll uh, do more uh, headlines with Tim Riley. We'll do a little bit of sound clipping. Uh, Adam from the Pimp Squad, by the way, is sorting through all those 70 different Paul Stanley cuts in the back room. He's... Uh, uh, he's just sort of uh, jumping out of his pants. Yeah, Adam, that, so. He's working hard. He's back there. He isn't even on the Internet. He's just sitting there staring at the screen waiting for people to call. <laughs> I'm like, why are you looking? I'm like, you know you have the Internet on that computer. He's like, I know, but I'm totally into the show. Dude. I'm focused. I don't want to miss a thing. Good for him. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, our good friend, Mr. Skin. Hello, sir. How are you? What up, Rick? How you doing? I am rolling, brother. What is new in the world of nudity? Well, the big movie uh, hitting theaters this weekend is The Mummy. Tomb of the Dragon Emperor with Jet Li. It also co-stars Maria Bello. And she doesn't get unwrapped in this mummy movie, but uh, if you want to see Maria naked, she's been naked in a few movies. One of my favorites is one called A History of Violence from 2005. And one hour and nine minutes in, her bathrobe uh, bath opens up, uh, and she's completely nude, including a view of her Tomb of the Furrow. So very good nudity from Maria Bello. <laughs> Uh, the star of The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Check it out uh, in theaters this weekend. Also, uh, on DVD, the Harold and Kumar boys uh, have a new release DVD this week. They did Harold and Kumar, 
go to White Castle was number one. But uh, this one is Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. And whether you like the Stoner Boys or not, uh, you have to admit they do always have good nudity in their films. Uh, 24 minutes in, they go to a pool party, and all the girls are bottomless. Uh, uh, it's a weird thing. They're wearing the tops, but no bottoms. Uh, you don't see that much in the movies, and uh, you do here. So that's a new release this weekend. Uh, finally, uh, Rick, uh, Corey Feldman has a straight-to-DVD movie at the new release section of your favorite video store called Lost Boys, The Tribe, which is a, a sequel uh, to the original. This is uh, They're back fighting vampires. But uh, Can I tell you, we're actually giving away copies of that DVD oh, okay. all week. Yeah. Cool. Well, then... Uh, everyone should know that Monica Delane uh, gets very naked in that, uh, very good nudity in that from a girl named Monica Delane. So uh, not only are you guys giving away a, a movie with Corey Feldman in it, but you also get nudity in the same the same uh, movie. So, Excellent, uh, my friend. As always, a pleasure. We will talk to you next week, sir. All right, Rick. Take care. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Wonderful. Uh, one final note about Disneyland. Rick, there is a second-floor apartment above the firehouse that is on Main Street. When the garage door is closed... It means a Disney family member is in residence. If it's open, uh, then no one is there and you're free to climb in the fire engine inside. So there's like a kind of a code there, uh, sort of like a necktie on the door thing. There's the, the code about whether a Disney person uh, is there. Fantastic. Um, Rick, that was the this an all-caps email uh, from our good friend Todd the Corpse. All caps, all caps, all caps. Rick, that was the bumper music I've always wondered about. What is it? I don't even know what he's talking about now. Uh-oh. <laughs> what, Weedus, Teenage Dirtbag? The one that the, uh, or that music, was it the music we just came back with? I don't even know. I don't even know what he's referencing. Or do I? I don't. And now, no. though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So the Oregon Association of Broadcasters has seven the entry forms for its annual fall conference. However, <laughs> they have not indicated exactly what's going on there. Why, why would you possibly want to attend such a conference? I don't know, but you can you can uh, get let's see ten additional registrants in your party for seventy nine dollars each. <laughs> and you know here's, who would possibly have ten additional registrants? And you can play golf too. Oh, that's that's great. Thirty five dollars a person. That's an irreplaceable opportunity. So you can bring. Uh, Twelve extra golfers with you. Is it ninety nine dollars to yeah. go to this thing? Mm-hmm. And as I think I might have mentioned this is the, day pass. the last <laughs> the last time really the e ticket. The last time we were talking about the Oregon Association of Broadcasters, the only people who would be interested in going to an Oregon Association of Broadcasting Conventions are by definition out of work DJs who don't have ninety nine dollars to spend on anything. I mean they're trying to buy bread for the love of God. Let's see, you can get uh, an additional meal for $65 each. <laughs> That's great. Sign me up now. Don't sign me up ever. And then you total up all your fees at the bottom and oh. send it away. Can I uh, Can I see that for a moment? Sure you can. I, I wish I knew exactly what's going on. I don't think they invited me. Well, I'm inviting you here. Right. That's, that's you can be I, me. Can I be your, your plus one for $79? Jesus, let's see here. You can be all of me. You can bring 12 golfers. Can you look at them? Jesus, it's like somebody just found the font and color selections on Microsoft <laughs> Word. One, oh, two. Oh, please to be turning it around. Yeah. Well, there's just, I mean, look, it's like it's great. white, black, blue, wow, gray, red, green, underline, italics, bold, quotes. <laughs> uh, just, let's see here. Uh, day passes. Day passes for all the, uh, let's see, day passes include all of the events each day, except, underline bold, all caps, the Friday evening reception slash banquet. So my question is, what are the events? They're not indicated. 
That's that is true. There's no. Is there's this no the entire thing? Yeah, that was everything in the envelope. No, but no, but there's a whole sheet just for the payment. They do. They did. They don't actually tell you what's going on, but there are three different places here in which you can give them your money. Yeah. Let's see. Hold on. So you can bring golfers and guests. Uh, let's see. I swear to God, I'm reading this right off the. This is from the org. This is from the Oregon Association of Broadcasters. Right. Um, so there we is. We must be members if we're being invited. Maybe are we? Or is this like a thing like in Utah, the private clubs, where it's like as long as you have like the twelve dollars, anybody can be a member? Um, okay, so here we go. This, I swear to God, it says this on Thursday, two October. You're not British. Knock it off. Thursday, two October. <laughs> on Thursday, the second of October, there is a. Four-person best ball event. Four-person best ball. Does that mean you bring three other people? Best ball? Four-person best ball. Is that ball like in the good golly Miss Molly sense? or What's ball in the good golly Miss Molly sense? I think you know. <coughs> What's the, all, like, the four people go and compare their... No, it's not that. It's the oh. other way. It's, the, uh, it's a verb. Uh... So eighty-five dollar per person, but you're right. Like it, it, like it doesn't say at any point where is this even happening. It's happening downtown, some hotel. Downtown Embassy Suites Hotel, Portland downtown. Well, we should just go by. We should just go by and just insist that our res- our reservations I, were lost. I went to one of those things once. Was it depressing? It was a woman <laughs> with with a boombox in the 1980s <laughs> playing 30 year old air checks. Really? This is the best. But. Didn't that guy just say 1982? Yeah. And, and she was saying, now, before covering a story, you'll want to speak to your editor. I don't have an editor. There's nobody here but me. <laughs> was, was, this like, uh, was this like that air check that we got from that woman? She was trying to get a job here at CBS, and she sent us an air check from, like, 1995. Right. Uh, wait, hold on. Here we go. It's, uh, I've got it right here. 93.7 KFMA. I'm Mary Alice. With a music update, NME reports Depeche Mode, who have denied that they are planning to tour America with New Order in 93, will release a new album in March and are planning a world tour. What's the new album? The album follow-up to the multi-million selling Violator was recorded in Hamburg, Madrid, and London and features a full orchestra and gospel choir. The single, I Feel You... First of all, you don't sound sexy. Stop it. Secondly, didn't we figure out that this air check was from like 1994? No, she starts talking about that guy who jumped off the ferry. Oh, let's see. It should be out February 18th. As for the rumor collapse... If I talk through my nose, it makes me sound doable. Collaboration with New Order? A spokesperson said, a nice idea, but it's not going to happen. The band... What I, do, what I do is I don't enunciate my words very clearly. I an improper <laughs> in my sentences. I put accents on the wrong syllables when I talk. And are working on plans for their world tour next year, but dates with New Order are not on the agenda. Alternative about... is... I'm going to whisper right now because it compensates for the fact that I'm not saying anything interesting. Entertainment comes to the Scottsdale Center for the Arts with Spalding... You can't make Scottsdale Center for the Arts sound erotic. Stop it. Ray will be in residency for one week to finish working on his new Spalding monologue, Gray. Grey's Anatomy. Spalding Gray! Yeah, no, you're right. Spalding Gray died like ten years ago. At least pretend that you, this, that you have an air check from sometime this millennium. He may perform it and he may not. He's not performing it! He's dead! Quit sending air checks from 1994! Jesus. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, so anyway, the other people... <laughs> I'm sorry. The other people at, 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 who came with this thing were the teacher and about 
a dozen kids who go to some radio. I guess one of the high schools here has a radio station. Uh, well, those... Susan's kids go to one that, okay. that does. And those were the attendees. So that answers your question who would go to Wait, when I don't understand. So it was, what? what? When I went to that the last AOB. Yeah. Thing, right. The people in the audience were the teacher of these kids and all the kids that went to this radio school. Uh. So it was just a conference full of children? Just warping another Basically. generation. Oh, really filling their heads full of lies about the radio industry. <laughs> Here are some air checks from the 80s. <laughs> you should all talk like this. It'll get you a job. Wow. So all right. Right. let me tell you the story about Plinko. One lucky contestant on the prices right won $30,000 due to a malfunction in Plinko. The game had been rigged to hit the $10,000 slot uh, for a commercial that they were shooting for a video game version of the show. However, nobody reset the machine after the commercial shoot was finished. Wait, this is this is the the this isn't the actual TV show. Yes, it is the actual TV show. Yes, the, the one with, this is the one at night or the one in the morning. It doesn't say, but it says the price is right. Okay, so it must be the Drew Carey one then. Okay. So anyway, nobody reset the machine after the commercial shoot was finished, and the woman hit the $10,000 slot three oh. times before the producers caught on. They stopped filming the show and explained to the contestant that the machine had been rigged. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. What is... I don't understand. Oh, oh, okay. Pl- wait, you get it now? Let's stop. Do you want me to repeat? What? No, no, no. No, stop. Don't repeat. Not yet, anyway. What is Plinko? I'm forgetting now. Which is, uh, you spin the, the wheel, isn't it? No, that's the wheel. <laughs> Hi, I'm stupid. Which game is Plinko? Who, who you, no, no, you don't look it up. We should have to answer it without. I can see you looking it up. If you no, look I it don't up, remember. okay, don't tell us though. If you look it up, don't tell us. Plinko, I want to try to. I don't even know. Did you watch Price of Right? No. What? Every I sound like Peter Carlin when I went the cable. What? 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 You didn't watch. You didn't watch The Price is Right. Not even as a stoned college student. No, I was. No. I'm no, no, you weren't a stoned college student. But I'm saying you didn't. That's, but I thought that's what kids did. I thought you went to college and you 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 drank and then you slept in the morning and you ate cereal in your pajamas while watching The Price is Right. No, I watch a lot of Jerry Springer and like Dawson's Creek. Well, around. all right, fair enough. A lot of Even Stevens actually, which is weird. Okay, but I mean with Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. All right. Okay, well then now I don't even. Should, should I give you a hint? No, hold on a second. Hey, Adam. Plinko. Which, Adam, which game is Plinko? He doesn't know. Which game is what? Plinko. Does it involve tiles, uh, Tim? I guess you call it that. They're, they're chips. Wait, wait. Is Plinko where you reach into the bag and you pull little plastic discs out of the yeah, bag? Right. You're giving a round plastic disc. All right. Hold on. Let's see what the people have to say about this. Let's go to the uh, higher on the Rick Emerson show. KS Plinko. Rick, how you doing? Uh, hi. What's up? Hey, it's, it's just basically a giant Plinko machine. It's a what? Giant pachinko machine. Oh, the Japanese, like the, the the Japanese pinball thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so is it where you you drop a plastic disc at the top and then it goes down through a series of like uh, prongs or something and then it lands in a thing at the bottom? You win ten thousand dollars, sir. And then they had rigged it. You're saying, Tim, for a commercial, but forgot to remove the sort of rigging. Right. And then it was when rigged to hit the ten thousand dollars slot. And then when she went to play, it was still rigged and she hit the ten thousand. Oh, here we go. Okay, I'm looking at it now. I don't remember that game at all for some reason. I mean, I remember there being a game called Plinko, but I don't remember looking like that in any way. All right, thank you, sir. All right, well, never mind. Um, eh, okay, so how would you even rig that game? I don't know. That's fascinating. It's it basically what so it is. So you it three times. It's, look at this. it's basically uh, like a wooden, a big piece of wood, like a big piece of plywood, and at the bottom are a bunch of numbered slots 
you stand at the top and drop a plastic disc in, and there's a bunch of, like, metal prongs, and it kind of goes through the metal prongs, bouncing off the metal prongs as it works its way down. Totally. And then it's like, which one is it going to land in? How would you even rig that? I guess they can. Maybe with the angles of the... Well, she won $10,000 three times. And then they had to stop and go, no, no. no. But, you know, but you really I, didn't win. is there video of it? I wonder, oh, please let that be in YouTube, where sense. she's winning three times and Drew Carey's going, you're the luckiest one. And then the guy comes up and takes it all away from her. Uh-huh. Maybe she cries. Uh, the uh, Because then she can use that in court when she sues them. I'm sure if, they, if, if there's footage of her crying, if she does that, then that's fantastic, because that's what they'll play when she's in court. Mm-hmm. Going and and then she'll come up with some story about like and my mother who had to have both of her arms and one eye removed last year was going to use this money for an operation uh, and then they will and then they'll show her crying and then the judge or the jury will give her like half of the award. Oh, there has to be video of that. I'm looking because it, because no one ever wins, right? Like no one ever wins the ten grand. And then to do it three times in a row. Somebody won forty thousand dollars in the prime time one in two thousand two. Really. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to know if you if you know these things. How would you rig Plinko? I want somebody to tell me that because it's it's like because it, it seems unreal. I'm sure they made the video disappear by now. Maybe. Oh, I'm sure. It'd be it'd be like that. It uh, is CBS. It'd be like really CBS. You don't screw with them. An iron boot. No. The iron boot of censorship comes down. Uh, maybe somebody knows. I you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, is this me? Yo, what's up? Hey, how was, you know that clip of that lady you had who whispers on when she talks? When I talk like this. Yeah, she actually has a radio spot on a radio station in Portland because I've heard her talking before. Really? Well, she must uh, she must be like a voice person then. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. But I had no idea about the rigging the thing. All right, thank you. Thanks. So I, I must finish the story. So when she tried again after the machine was fixed, she only won three thousand dollars. But the producers then decided to give her. The thirty thousand dollars anyway. Oh, oh, okay. Plus so she three thousand dollars she won without using the ah, Okay, so they gave her that. <coughs> okay, well, fantastic. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Rick, um, Todd the corpse again. It was the music you just came out of the break with just now. I've literally been waiting like six months for you to play it again. What is it? He says I've never been so agitated folding laundry before. You played it. I wrote the email. Then you said, "Was he meaning the music just now?" I shouted, "Yes!" at my radio, and then realized you can't hear me, and I'm also insane. I have no idea what the song was. No idea. From. Was it the music we just played? That one. That right there? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just screwing with him now. Well, let me see if I've got the AV logger on this on this yeah, computer. Hold I, on. Uh, in in the meantime, how would you, sir? Do you know how to rig Plinko? Is this me? Yes, hello, sir. Hey, yeah, Tim just took some of my thunder as far as uh, I was going to say that she actually did get the money um, and all that. But, yeah, all you do is all those little things that it hits, you can you can m- make those either, you know, let the ball, let the little thing that drops move or not move. Yes, sir. You know, kind of like what Sarah was saying. It's, okay. just, it's just a case of that. But uh, this makes you wonder how often the game is rigged. Seriously, is Plinko, is, is Plinko rigged more often than one might think? I need a bigger investigation. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Uh, what time would you say we came out of that break? What break? The break, this last break, Sarah. Do you know? Can you look at? Oh, you can actually look oh, at actually, the on the, you can look on the log. You can look at the earlier tab. It was one forty-five. Exactly. One forty-five exactly. All right, let me see here. What does that mean? Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. For our headlines with Tim Riley, we'll do like gathering at the airfield or whatever and radio program. Nine seventy, the talker. Here we go. Is this what he's talking about? It must be what he's talking about. He's always talking about it being a piano song, though. 
Oh, there's a piano there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson. Wow, this is weird. Radio program. Radio program. <laughs> oh, guess what I have over here. Let's see. I don't know. What is it? I don't know, Rick. You should ask yourself what it is. Rick, what are you playing? Is it the theme for Mindy? Do you recognize this? I don't recognize it. What is it? You will. Ah! Okay, it's freaking me out. My brain is folding in. Uh, that is the Mission Impossible theme. Uh, and I believe that particular version... Oh, no, I'm going to say it's going to be wrong. There's the Mission Impossible theme, and I think, as insane as this sounds, I think that was the version done by What's-His-Guts, Larry Mullen from U2. I could be wrong about that. No, because he did the James Bond theme. Was it Limp Biscuit's take on the Mission Impossible theme? I think Limp Biscuit at one point did the Mission Impossible theme, and that is that. Wait, hold on. Tim, does this sound like... Oh, wait, hold on. I've lost it again. Tim, does this is this the Mission Impossible theme? Yes. Wait a minute. It sounds like that's the Mission Impossible theme. No, they Why? changed. Hello, it. it's the Rick Emerson. It's radio it's program. Kind of like it. They changed a few uh, bars of it. I'm sorry, Todd. That's uh, this whole thing is made out of fail. I'm sorry. I don't deserve to leave. Should we take a break? Yes. Sure. Take a break now. We'll come back after this with more. <coughs> Don't go anywhere. Break cameras and show continues next. On AM 970 KCMD Portland. It's Jimmy E. World. I don't I'm just going to do everything I call Sam. Uh, why, hello. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up at 3, like us, Michael Mara Show at 7. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include... Ah, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Uh, and so forth. Um, I think there is now an information blurb thing. What's it? Uh, up at 970.am uh, about the uh, 080808 thing. See, now I want to say that like Paul said, oh, hey, uh, uh, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, yeah, it's right there. Um, uh, so that is uh, next Friday, uh, 080808, next Friday, August 8th, 2008, uh, 2 p.m., uh, the, the Portland address system, the, the Rick Emerson, the Emerson address, the, 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 the Portland something or other. Uh, I kind of so, like the Emerson address. That kind of flows. Sort of flows. Had a little linguistic something to it. Uh, so uh, that is next Friday, 080808. Uh, every radio, every pair of speakers, every every web stream, every every the thing. I needed a fourth one there. I just sort of joked. Whatever. Uh, just try to get every radio uh, in Portland, in Oregon, on planet Earth uh, tuned to AM 970, uh, and then we will ideally come up with something interesting to say. So there you go. Uh, so more about that. That is happening on next Friday, 080808. Uh, next Friday. Speaking of 08, so I walked by. So, um, Adam, are you still listening to the Paul Stanley cuts? All right. What? Thanks so much. I don't know. It's 503-733-2970. More from Tim Riley here in just a skosh. Uh, we got a soundbite inventory. I haven't even looked at the, the matrix that we got going on today. So, um, 
All right, so we did these things to do in Denver when you're Matt. We did that. Oh, big news. Uh, I have good news, everyone. Uh, so yesterday, uh, your friend and mine, Timmy Ryan, was here uh, bumping his gums about, you know, I can run 75 miles in the sun in yeah. five minutes or whatever. Uh, so we have now confirmed that we have a track uh, for next week. Uh, so, do we know what day we're going to do it? Uh, I'm thinking... My initial thought was to not do it next week, was to wait because of the 08, 08, 08 thing. But here's the thing. I don't want to put it off. So we'll do it early in the week, though. Get it done. Bring the shame uh, to him and then just move on. So I'm thinking maybe Tuesday. Uh, so we come out talking about Monday, Tuesday. So we found a track uh, because and, – and, we'll, and see, the thing is that allows us to take to spend Monday clarifying – his boast and clarifying the nature of some of the bets because that guy he Irish has two separate bets because he has the ten miles and under two, under two hours and then sixteen miles in two hours and forty five minutes. That is exactly it. So ten. So yeah, uh, uh, sixteen miles in two forty five or less, and then as a side, that's with us and with the people and everyone. And as a side bet with this guy Irish, he, there's a eighty bottle, eighty year old bottle of Jameson on the line for this that is ten miles in two hours or less. Uh, and this is going to be in a quarter mile track, so that ends up being uh, either what? That ends up being either like 64 laps or like the other one's like 40 laps or something like that. So it's uh, it's all very interesting. So I think that's going to happen on Tuesday, uh, and we'll let you know when and where that's going to happen, so you can go and heckle appropriately. Uh, speaking of Timmy Ryan and his appearance on yesterday's program, so here's a little story about that. So we have sort of been uh, putting together this uh, this new show that we're going to unveil. And it's kind of been in the works for a while, and we just we did a little internal announcement about it on uh, Monday, put out an email about it, say, hey, this fantastic program is coming to AM 970. And then Timmy was in yesterday, which I thought was a golden opportunity to, to sort of unveil it to the masses. And so I give this big buildup. I'm not trying to knock Timmy Ryan when he's not around to defend himself. I'm just saying, by any sort of objective standard, his unveiling of this news yesterday was a little... Ragged. It kind of flopped at the end. It did. So, Kristen Bowie now joining us on the Rick Emerson Show. Kristen Bowie, uh, who is the co-host of the soon-to-be-unveiled Musicology on AM 970. Take it away, Kristen Bowie. Go. All right. I present to you, my friends, a show unlike any other. A show that is geared towards the music geek, the fan, the person who not only owns every album by their favorite band, but they know the idiosyncrasies of everything about that band. From whether they used a melodica for that bridge... Or if the lead singer's 10-year-old son wrote the hook. Folks, friends, neighbors, I present to you Musicology, a show created by music geeks for music geeks. A little bit of Timmy Ryan, a little bit of me, Kristen Bowie, and featuring Adam from The Pimp Squad and James Robinson from Miles Around. All aspects, views, and opinions will be present, and it is our duty to present them to you. A focus on local music and beyond, with a cast of thousands, debates, top fives, inter- and interviews, We hope to catch your attention on August 10th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Musicology. For the music scholar and all of us. I was trying to skip ahead to the right moment. Well done, Kristen Bowie. Thank you. I hope I I gave it some justice there. No, no, no. Well done. (laughs) Boy, your voice carries. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying we set the mic for Tim, who is in very low voice today. Yeah. Uh, and then you have, and I mean this in the best possible way, you have a voice that has a, you have a lot of presence to your voice. Yes, uh, I try. So, uh, <laughs> excellent. All right. And 
There we go. All right. So that is uh, coming up Sunday, August 10th, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, musicology. Uh, Kristen Bowie, Timmy Ryan, as you said. Adam for the Pimp Squad. James going to be weighing in. A whole bunch of people. Calls, uh, happenings, fantasticalities, and so forth. Uh, and so here's just for people who know. We'll talk more about this next week. Uh, the genesis of, of the show, of, of musicology, uh, came from... The fact that, you know, you have um, uh, filled in the show from time to time. Timmy has. And then, like, I think on New Year's. Was that the day that I got locked out of the building and I had to run down the street? I do believe that is. Yeah, it was embarrassing. I <laughs> uh, locked myself out of the building on New Year's Day. And it was, you, you were here for Sarah. Timmy Ryan was in for Tim Riley. Yeah, it's five minutes till 11. And I'm like, oh, the, and you couldn't the host see, isn't here. And I'd gone, awesome. to, I'd gone to the bathroom and sealed <laughs> myself out. And because it was a holiday, there was no one to let me in. And I'm in the bathroom like, for the love of God. Hello! And I, I had did to, that with my cast on. It was awesome. And really, yeah. bam, on the yeah. door. So I had to run out the front door, down the street, past the old Fisher building, down the sidewalk, onto First Avenue, and into the back parking lot. Where to thank, pound on the KUFO where, window. Where, thank God, Aaron was standing out there. and Because he was coming in there. And his Aaron said, he's like, and I just looked down the street, and you were running down the street with a legal pad for no reason. But what's funny is we're two buildings down from the Cub Scouts building, and you could just cut down through there and come back around the building. So he actually went about a quarter of a mile oh, further man. than he had to. Yeah. I always forget that's right there. Yeah, me too. Uh, but it was So that was New Year's Day, and it was you and uh, you were there, and Timmy was there, but it was you and Timmy Ryan and me, and then Aaron was here. And we had, a, on that day, I remember about a, about a 40-minute wide-ranging discussion about music, and it started with that Dolly Parton song, Jolene. And we were talking about the various incarnations of the song Jolene and the White Stripes and the whatever. And I was talking about my belief that, and this is completely unfounded, but my belief that Dolly Parton was writing about herself and that she herself is Jolene in the song and whatever. And then we were talking about record production and how records are a lot louder than they used to be. And it's something or other. And that was sort of the genesis of the whole thing. Uh, but you and Timmy Ryan both yes. uh, are true believers and lovers of music, uh, like a lot of us here. Uh, and so Sunday nights, 7 to 9, beginning August 10th, uh, Musicology. I have no doubt it's going to be fantastic. It will. So yeah. you guys going to play like um, like local music as well? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of both. I mean, we're going to try and get as much local stuff in there because, I mean, it is Portland and we have an awesome music scene here. Totally. So I don't want to leave that out. And I also want to introduce Tim to some of the newer stuff since he's kind of and like open like curmudgeon. Mind a little yeah, bit. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was sitting there last night. He goes, "Remember the days of the mixtapes, Kristen?" And I'm like, "Dude, and, you sound like you're 80 already." And, and I can certain. And here's the thing about. See, now we're just talking about Timmy, but I. The, the, <laughs> I mean, don't, I mean, I have sympathy for a little bit of that because you know. Eh, most of the music that I grew up really, really loving, at least at a certain age of my adolescence, was before I was even born. I mean, when I was 14, I had this weird thing in my head where, like, in my head, it was always 1972. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the 80s, when everybody else was sort of listening to Michael Jackson or to whatever, I mean, I was just like, oh, it's like, I'm going to go home and listen to my Howlin' Wolf records. Uh, you know, just all of this, whatever. So I can sort of see... Well, I can understand that, though, too, because the 80s had a lot of horrible music. <laughs> Total. And I was just like, I'm just going to go home and listen to Let It Bleed again. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of know where he comes from, because he's such a curmudgeon, and I sort of see, I, I you know, I, the, some of myself in Timmy, which is an awful to, thing to say. I have to say, but... the way he was staring at his iPod the other day, though, it was like the way my grandmother views the Internet. <laughs> Everything's blinking. Yeah. He's like, this thing... Well, it's like 5,000 songs. Does he not have an iPod? He, I think he's kind of new to it. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> really? This holds lots of music. 
I don't know how to work an iPod. I always get confused. Really? Mm-hmm. In your face, Steve Jobs. I'm kind of anti-iPod. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, I'm a big... See, and I got the whole thing of, like, I, I'm kind of the analog kid, you know, where I love the vinyl. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm also a big fan of technology and convenience. Mm-hmm. So I got the thing that holds, like, nine billion songs. Can I say my wife lost her MP3 player? Uh, about a week and a half ago, we've been trying to find it, and she can't find it. And that just sucks, because it's like 15 gigs of music. Uh, so I, like, compulsively back everything up on the computer. I sync my library to the computer library constantly. Yeah, I'm not that smart. Oh, man. I, I make, like, DVD backups of my entire music library that are then carefully archived. And I, I actually purchased a software program for my home whose sole job, the sole job of this software program, is to track every single MP3 in my collection and where it is archived. Well, what else? All it takes is one hard drive foul up. And then you are You're gone. You are so all gone. And then it's like, and it'll be like, where's that weird, obscure version of Alice Cooper singing Herod's mm-hmm. song from Jesus Christ Superstar? And it's like, I have to know where it is at all times. So, uh, all right. Well, on that tip, as the kids say, do you want to do the top five? Sure. All right, ladies, I'll hand this to you. I'll let you count them. Let's roll it, ladies and gentlemen. Here's five, your top five. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, here is Kristen Bowie with today's Top 5. And as we continue a week in which we talk to legendary songmaster Ron Dante, we ponder some of the effortlessly crafted pop of the past. Songs that might go unnoticed as the mini masterpieces that they are. We proudly present these, the top five Barry Manilow songs of all time. Yeah. Honor- uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Honorable mention, all the time. I should note these all come out of my personal collection. I should also note that Copacabana is not on this list. Thank so God. Everybody can just, I'm sorry to Tim, to Tim Riley, who loves Copacabana. I can't take that song anymore. I just can't. I can't. Every I can't. time I look at him now, I just think Clay Aiken. Every single time. Oh, they look so much alike. That's true. It, it, it screws with me constantly now. That really is true. And I bet it's the other way, though. It's like how... It's not that Clay Aiken looks like Barry Manilow. It's that Barry Manilow has become... He's fashioned himself after Clay Aiken. It's all the fancy red yeah. boy hair. Sort of like how it used to be that Radiohead ripped off U2 and then it sort of reversed itself. Mm-hmm. This is a great song. When he was in town last year, there was... A, Big to do. Did you see all that? Like there were flags on the street poles and everything. All about Barry Manilow. Uh huh. No. For like a month and a half before the show. I was wrong. I missed uh, that last year because that was when he was done in the seventies or the sixties or something. One of his. It was one of his decade records he was here for. Barry Manilow salutes. I think it was Barry Manilow salutes the seventies because he's actually in the studio now with Ron Dante doing the Barry Manilow salutes the eighties. Oh, I. That's going to be interesting to yes. hear. <laughs> I can't even imagine what the set list is going to be. Anyway, so this is another one of those great songs. We have time to listen to all these all the way through, but this is another one of those songs that builds into this, this huge wall of orchestration toward the end. God, listen to that voice, though. Whatever happened to crescendos in music? See, now, now who sounds old, Kristen <laughs> Bowie? Hey, no, I just like dynamic. There's a difference. Talking about top five Barry Manilow songs of all time. Number five, looks like we made it. So it looks like we made it. So this is, of course, a song to an ex-lover uh, and uh, he, he, someone who someone he left behind. Uh, 
and he's, I think, with, they're both with other people now, and he sees the X on the street, and then it's like, it looks like we almost were successful in staying, uh, staying broken up until we saw each other one fateful day. The story arc in this song, by the way, is almost exceptional, is almost exactly the same as the story arc to the song, um, Oh, God, what is the other... Oh, sorry. Nerd. Hey, I played it for like five years. I gotta respect it. It's the, stereo, it's the same story arc as Even Now. So does he end up getting back together? Uh, it's sort of left unresolved. Uh, so he says, looks like we made it left each other on the way to a better love. See what I mean about the dynamics? So Barry Manilow is very good at that, like the build-up and then bam. Totally. It's the ebb and flow. Yeah. So you were there everywhere. And all I could take but love away. That's kind of an icky line. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Especially coming from Barry Manilow. Yeah. Mmm, taste the love, Barry. Uh, with his plasticky face. With his plasticky immobile face. Counting <laughs> the top five Barry Manilow songs. Number four, Bandstand Boogie. Yeah. The whitest version of one of the whitest songs you could possibly imagine. Oh, Is American Bandstand still on the air? I don't think so. I don't believe so. Here's a weird thing about uh, American Bandstand, the show, is that... People forget that that was sort of reality programming of its day because there were the same dancers every week. And they would sort of gradually change over time, but they were like Mouseketeers. They were the, the same group of, of kids dancing. And there would be all of this sort of gossip and speculation the day after Bandstand aired about, well like, well, well, like Jimmy and Susie have danced together every week for the past month, but this week Jimmy was dancing with, you know, Cindy. And suddenly, like... Like, Susie and Cindy had been swapped out, and, like, Jimmy wasn't dancing with the girl anymore, but she was dancing with another guy on the other side of the room. And there would be all of this speculation about why certain people were no longer dancing together. And it was like this weird, projected soap opera. Fantastic. Top five Barry Manilow songs of all time. Number three, Can't Smile Without You. That's what I'm talking about. I'm saying for me, this is number one. Doesn't get any better than this. This is one of my favorites. Seriously, this is one of the best pop songs ever. Plus, it includes whistling. Totally. Whistling, and as we found out yesterday from Ron Dante, the Archie's doing the backup vocals. Really? Yes. Uh, Because Ron Dante is, like on Sugar Sugar and Jingle Jangle and most of those Archie songs, Ron Dante does almost all the singing. He does all of the background vocals on this song, which he also produced. And so he noted yesterday, he's like, yes, it's actually the Archies. <laughs> because they're the same person. It's all him. So basically, it's the Archies featuring Barry Manilow. Totally. Really. It's got a little bit of that swing rhythm to it. Completely. I mean, it's just the most relentlessly happy song you've ever heard. And this is the song where if you see Barry live, as you really ought to, this is the song where he always brings a woman out of the stage, or or out of the crowd onto the stage with him, and then she sings along, and it's always a woman who cannot carry a tune in a bucket. It is always, it's like they almost deliberately audition them backstage looking for like the flattest voiced woman they can possibly find. You don't want somebody to show up Barry Manilow. (laughs) No. And and that is really true. I never really thought of it, but he is such a, he's a little prissy. 
you can tell occasionally when when something goes wrong on stage, he will get that sort of arch tone in his voice, like you don't want to display. Like you wouldn't like Barry when he's angry. Didn't you play something a while ago where he freaked out on stage or something? Uh, no, but I was telling the story. But I was watching lot Barry Manilow live by request on PBS, and the caller had been poorly screened, uh, and. You're supposed to just get on and go, Barry, I love you. Can you play Week in New England? And that was it. Uh, and instead, the caller started telling us a long-ass, pointless story about, I met you backstage once at the Coho Arena in 1973, and you had kind of a cold, but you still sounded really good. And then I was there with my brother, and my other brother was going to come because he's a big Manilow fan, too. But then he wasn't really able to because he got caught in a snowstorm. But then we saw you, and you were still really great. And I gave you a scarf. You still have that scarf? And you could just see, I like... the K-103. <laughs> you could just see Manilow becoming more and more furious at whoever was supposed yeah. to be screening the calls. Counting on the top five Barry Manilow songs of all time. Number two, Mandy. I would say this is an unassailable classic in terms of uh, easy listening. I remember all my life. And here's an interesting thing about this. When you think of great voices and singers, you don't really sort of think of Barry Manilow, but this is all before auto-tune and pitch shifting and pro tools. They're harmonized with themselves a thousand times over. Yeah. I mean, you had to be able to nail it. You had to be able to, 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 to do it live. And Ron Dante was talking yesterday about on some of the Archie songs or in the song Tracy by the Cufflinks, he does the lead vocal and 14 different backing tracks, and he did it all in two hours. That's how you know you're a pro right there. Well, Buddy Holly kind of started that whole thing where he started doing his own harmonies, and he'd do it in one take. It's right. amazing. It's like double-tracking guitars. I mean, there's a real art to that. Mm-hmm. I know I couldn't do it. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, I... Yeah, well, whatever. All right, counting down the top five Barry Manilow songs of all time. Now, number one, could it be magic? So this was his breakthrough song. Based on, I used to know this, Could It Be Magic is based on Chopin's prelude something something in G minor. It's it's like a riff on an old, it's like an interpolation of an old classical uh, song. This not about Chopin in probably about ten years. I, I only know that because I read it in Barry's autobiography. Uh, he himself, by the way, does Muppet not like Barry Manilow? Oh, somebody barking. There's a dog barking out there. Oh, it I might see. be mine. <laughs> Uh, loves Barry Manilow. This is, uh, wow, your that. dog is going crazy. Muppet, listen to Manilow. Let it soothe you. Wow. <laughs> he does not like Could It Be Magic. Is he angry that I didn't put, uh, is he angry at the lack of Copacabana? He preferred Can't Smile Without You for number Seriously? <laughs> Where's Daybreak? He's telling you how displeased he is, Rick. That's does fantastic. not like your choices. Muppet demands New York City rhythm be put on the list. All right. All right, I'm going to skip right to the end of this. Right. Manilow put out a terrible techno, like a dance, like a house mix of this song about three years ago. What a great song this is. You know the song? I guess not. It just builds and builds and builds and builds. This is the song that uh, that he brought to Ron Dante, and Ron Dante's like, I'm going to produce all your records and make a billion dollars. 
All right, back after this. Kristen Bowie, ladies and gentlemen. We'll return on the other side. Rick, let's see what Timmy Ryan has claimed yesterday and on countless occasions. One, he can run 10 miles in two hours. Therefore, those are 12-minute miles. Two, he claimed he can do 16 miles in 245. These are a little more than 10 minutes a mile. So, if we take Timmy Ryan at his word, he betters his minutes per mile by two minutes a mile when he runs an additional six (laughs) miles. And also taking Timmy at his word at these stats, he kicks it up for those last six miles to be under eight minutes a mile. All of this is dumb. He is so full of ass, this is going to be great. When, not if, he fails, you should make him eat a pound of bacon. I like that idea. We need to have our own side bet with him. Okay, and we also need to have a bet. Like, he has to, we also have a bet to make sure that he goes through with it. Like, because he can't bail out. He's going to have some lame-ass excuse. You know it. Yeah, no, that's totally true. Uh, well, like, you know, Reed doesn't pay very much. I had to do a second job, man. Or do, He's going to say something. Or he'll, like, have come down or with a mysterious ailment. Totally. That's No, I got, I got hay fever. Uh, no, I'm with you on that. Ladies and gentlemen, playing through the pain as only he can, Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Now it can be told, yesterday's magnitude 5.4 earthquake near Los Angeles disrupted the taping of an episode of Judge Judy. Well, he got your credit card, your bank card somehow, and he got your PIN number somehow. Terrifying. Well, all right, then. And, I mean, people say, well, get used to it. It's an earthquake. An earthquake is a fundamentally terrifying thing. Those are very heavy lights. Oh, over oh yeah. Judy. On a set, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the feeling of the ground moving and there's nothing you can do to stop it is a little freaky. I don't care who you are. Uh, so there's a, a new ad out uh, positioning Barack Obama with Britney Spears and Paris Hilton. And we have it here. He's the biggest celebrity in the world. But is he ready to lead? With gas prices soaring, Barack Obama says no to offshore drilling and says he'll raise taxes on electricity? Higher taxes, more foreign oil. That's the real Obama. I'm John I'm McCain, and I approve this message. Okay, so here's the thing. So that's the sound. Here's the visual, though. I saw this this morning. It's very insidious. Yeah. Uh, oh, let the games begin. Seriously. And I thought Are it was... Are you getting excited? It was... I am. I thought it was such a cheap shot of a commercial, because you haven't even seen the visual. The, 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 no, it's such no, a cheap no. shot that I thought it was, like, unofficial. Do you know what I mean? Like, one of those things where, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, just some guy in Kansas put it together. But it's literally... It's from McCain, because I approve this message. So here's... It's, it's, it's so brilliant and stupid. You watch the commercial, and it just shows a picture of Paris Hilton. Or no, no, no. It shows a picture of Britney Spears, then a picture of Paris Hilton, then a picture of Barack Obama. And then the rest of the commercial is about his oil policy. I mean, it literally is just that simple and dumb. Look, Britney Spears. Look, Paris Hilton. Look, Barack Obama. I mean, it's so, it's either brilliant or dumb. I can't figure it out. Well, it was like... What's billionaire dumb when McCain was at that German restaurant? 
Yeah, totally, totally. It's like, are they doing this on purpose? <laughs> just, are they trying to be funny? <laughs> That's the thing. Is it's like it's either clever. There is a fine line between clever and stupid. Uh, and this Obama commercial. I mean, you see what I mean? It's like I don't. It might be clever, but I don't think it sets out to. I don't think it accomplishes what it sets out to do. I guess, but then again, you're not an idiot, so you know. I mean, that's. I mean, it obviously is. Regardless, about the idiot thing, but yeah. Regardless of political affiliation, it clearly is just targeted at morons. So you know. And I don't, don't understand what he's trying to do. It's just saying that he's all flash. That yeah, he's just, just a fad. Celeb. You know. Uh, so it's all very interesting. Huh. Tim Riley. Yeah. You know, one yeah. would think that Tim Riley was going to go home right now and recuperate. One would think that he was going to call it a day and recover. And yet, no. what you don't, what you do not know, but what I will now reveal is that Tim will be here at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through Lycus doing your news. Well, you know, I'm motivated because I know that Timmy Ryan, <laughs> now that he has his own weekend he's show, your, he's, he's going to be maneuvering for this job he's, next. He's you your, know that he's the healthiest man in the building, right? That's what I hear. He's your Joan Rivers. Yeah. He, <laughs> he can run 16 miles in less than three hours. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world, a game day player like the men of old. Let's do these two calls, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, um, I had an idea about the run, I guess. Um, you know that episode of The Office where they have the run for the rabies, mm-hmm. like the fun run? Um, they kind of whipped up like a T-shirt real quick. So maybe like, you know, some hippie kind of creative guy probably listens to your show can maybe make some T-shirts, donate some to like charity, you know, maybe, you know, hook people up for 10 bucks, give, you know, a few bucks to charity, keep some for himself. All right, I'm, I'm, making down a, with that. I'm making a note to myself right here. Excellent. All right, that's a fantastic idea. Um, and, and just while we're on the subject, do you believe that uh, Timmy Ryan will succeed or fail in this challenge? Oh, he, he'll, he'll fail. He'll be like, instead of Michael, it'll be like him as the douche. You know what I mean? <laughs> and Timmy Ryan as the douchebag. Because he's going to eat it. You, 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 I know people who run. you got to train for stuff like that. You can't just bust out almost a marathon out of the blue. You know what I mean? Timmy Ryan. <laughs> Seriously. I think you're underestimating the fact that he's Timmy Ryan. He's the healthiest person oh, he knows. yeah, yeah. Uh. Tell me to eat some protein. All right. I insert joke here. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. All right. There's that guy. One more. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. It's me? Hi. Okay. It's you. Hey. Hi. I'm really nervous. That's okay. Um, Don't. It's just, um, it's just us talking. Okay. Olympics start on August 8th, and I thought there was a, a really cool tie-in that Timmy Ryan could run with the torch, and... Um, um, you can have sort of the, like a, like through Portland or maybe just or in a circle somewhere in in Portland. Um, I was thinking the you could have um, the YMCA track maybe on um, Barber Boulevard. Um, I sent you an email. And so this is to sort of a uh, to be synchronized with the launch of the Olympics in Beijing. Our own Timmy Ryan would grab a torch and run and run in a circle to to to, to try to uh, to a uh, to coincide with this great you know athletic event and b to prove to us that he is, as he says, the healthiest man at the building. Yeah, and you can um, um, rate him on his performance with signs. You know, listeners can make signs. Um, and um, sort of like a rating him like a, like the judges you know, would 10, rate him. Nine, yeah. All right. Yeah, you you know people that are really good in running and uh, and know how people are supposed to run. Well, we did have those personal trainers in the studio a couple weeks ago. Yeah. All and, right. And also, um, you can um, have. Um, sorry. Uh, that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I write notes, but. Um, megaphones, of, like how to get the word out, 
Um, people can make signs, tape them to their bikes, to their cars about it. About so we can all so everyone can show up and taunt Timmy Ryan at once. Yeah, well, also about your announcement. Oh, like, about a, oh, about the eight 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 thing. Together. Oh, I see. You've you've woven it Those all together. Free market our eight eight oh eight. You've woven it into one radio tapestry for us. Yeah, and if there's right. a way to get megaphones, and then people can can let people know. Excellent. I admire the amount of thought you put into this. What is your name? My name is Shiel. All right, Shiel. Uh, you did a good. You can call us anytime. Sure. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. There you go. Fantastic. Let's take a break. We'll come back uh, after this. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Like us at three. Michael Mara show at seven. We continue after this. Don't go anywhere. Super Emerson show. Three minutes. Do we dare take calls? Oh, let's do it. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program as we prepare to wrap things up. How can I help you today? Hello. So uh, you have not got cable yet, have you? No, no, I have not. I uh, Although I got to do it because having watched finally Mad Men last night, I realize now that I, uh, I uh, yeah, I can't, I can't put that off. I can't be waiting like two, three, four days for well, somebody to like, an- give it to me. Another fine program you're missing is that of Hurl. Now, I've heard mixed things about Hurl. We had the executive producer of Hurl, which is the new G4 show, all about vomit. We had that guy on the show here to promote it. And then when it premiered, we heard from some people that it was less interesting than you might think it would be. Well, I mean, it's going to be as interesting as people puking anywhere. Do you, I mean, it, do you get to, now, do you actually see, somebody told me that you didn't even get to see the vomit, that they sort of like blurred it out. Well, they kind of rated as to how many buckets of puke. Uh, according to how strong the puke stream is. Right. Yeah. But I mean, do they, but I mean, do you actually, this is a thing only guys care about, but I mean, do you really see the vomit or do they like cover the actual vomiting yeah. with like well, a. They covered it with those, those, uh, you know, pictures of buckets, but also in some scenes actually show the puking. Okay. All right. So it's sort of a mixed bag. But, yeah, uh, kind of, sort of a mixed. You usually don't, they didn't show the huge hurls, but some of them they did show. Like one they showed of a guy puking and it ended up on himself because he's in one of those. Uh, those aeronautics-style gyroscope things right. ended up being on him from the forward motion. But, <laughs> All right, but you give, it, you, you give it a thumbs up, though. Well, yeah, it's puking. <laughs> and it's overeating, so it's a win-win. It is... You see piles of uh, pot pie uh, being inhaled by these guys, thinking that they're so great, and then their face turns to pale, and, yeah, their lip quivers. It's pretty fantastic. You know it's all about to end badly. <laughs> All right, excellent. Thank All you, right, my. Best show ever. Thank you, my friend. All right. Um, okay. Uh, how? Uh, where are we at here? How long do we have? Like a minute. We have or? like a minute. One a little minute. over a minute. Do you dare? We could take more calls, or we could. Oh, by the way, uh, I should say this uh, in aid of uh, Adam from the Pimp Squad, who is uh, call screening uh, today, tomorrow, uh, Friday. Uh, so he's been sorting through this Paul Stanley thing. I've got this. It's seventy tracks. He's flashing it on the screen over and over again. Play Paul Stanley. Do I have time to play any of these before the show ends? Um, You have about a, a little under a minute. Uh, let's see here. Well, let me look here. He's insisting that we play some of these. Let's see if I can. All right, listen. I want to know if we got any people here tonight that I can get high. We got any people tonight that are high. I love Paul Stanley. <laughs> All right, then, listen. You know, every once in a while, we like to get a little wasted. We like to take a taste of alcohol. 
so righteous. Oh, my God. And I tell you, when we won't get going, we ain't going to be drinking no Southern Comfort. No, no. I know what he's drinking. No, we ain't going to be drinking no tequila. Because I tell you, when we won't get going, you know there's only one drink that gets us moving. I can't hear you. Oh, and it cuts off at the very end, but he said cold gin. That's what he's drinking there. Oh, fantastic. Excellent. Wonderful. Genius. Well done, Adam. More of that tomorrow. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins, James Roop, and Steve Kastenbaum, as well as Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, and Kristen Bowie, host of Musicology, debuting Sunday, August 10th, 7 to 9 p.m., right here on this very fine radio station. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include... Dorothy Cassisari for the National Inquirer. Rick Emerson, show producer today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AMLAN 70, the talker in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Adam for the Pimp Squad. Uh, you know all the rest. Like us next. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. It's actually coming in a diplomatic pouch.